When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sometimes entertaining, sometimes serious, always compelling. This is Talk Radio 77 WABC. WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. Boy. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. Friends, Secretary of State Antony Blinken's high-stakes diplomatic mission to China. Blinken is hoping to ease tensions between the two nations. He's the first Secretary of State to visit the country in five years. China's foreign minister says relations between the superpowers are at their lowest point in years. Hopes for any significant breakthroughs are relatively slim. Hello, Philadelphia! labor and there's union labor. <laughs> Folks, it feels good to be home. I'm Joe Biden. I'm Joe Biden's husband and damn proud of God. Shut up, I'm begging you. One person is dead and at least 20 people were shot into Willowbrook, Illinois. This is west of Chicago. Authorities say it happened in a parking lot. A large group was gathered there for a Juneteenth celebration that turned violent. There were so many victims. Officials say the injured were taken to multiple nearby hospitals. Two of those shot are in critical condition while others suffered graze wounds. Well, New Yorkers are on edge after three stabbings or slashings at subway stations across the city. The chaos started aboard a moving northbound J train in Bedside when a 31-year-old was stabbed after an argument. This slashing was one of three just on Sunday around 4.15 in the afternoon. Officers were summoned to the corner of Lexington and East 86th Street after two women were stabbed. And it didn't stop there. Just 20 minutes later at the Chambers and Center Street station, an unknown man slashed a 28-year-old woman in the leg on the southbound 4 train. That woman was rushed to the hospital and thankfully is expected to be okay.
great weekend to be on the subways here in New York City. This is Andrew Gold and Lonely Boy as we start another week sitting friends in the morning on what will be a beautiful Monday morning. Later on today, sunny 81 degrees as we move towards week three of June 2023. But another weekend where the subways were brutal. Curtis Sliwa coming up as he does every weekday morning at 7.05, but slashings all over town, all over town. J train, 4 train, 6 train, Upper East Side, <clears throat> Brooklyn, everywhere. <clears throat> Do you take the train this weekend, Lewis? No. Yeah. <laughs> After I saw the post yesterday. Yeah. That, that guy, are you kidding? I know. It's just, it's horrendous. <laughs> horrendous. So, you know, I sent uh, Mayor Eric Adams a text on Friday because I considered bringing him on today for this uh, stupid holiday, Juneteenth. My God, enough, please. I mean, they want to get rid of Columbus Day. They can't add more holidays for everybody else. Screw the Italians, but add more holidays for everybody else. So I reached out to the mayor, never got back to me. Then, I don't know, between friends, family, listeners and friends, Father's Day yesterday, I must have sent out and received a thousand Happy Father's Day messages. And I sent one to the mayor, and I got nothing back. Only three people did not return my Happy Father's Day messages yesterday. And I said, well, the mayor's busy, very, very busy, out there combating crime, right? And then I walk in this morning, and the very first story they're covering locally on New York One is all this subway violence this weekend. So I don't know what he's doing. I really don't. And uh, we kind of have a hot and cold relationship. <laughs> you know, One week I kind of like him. The next I don't really. But New York is still a filthy mess. That's the bottom line, folks. I was at Gracie Mansion two weeks ago when the mayor stood there and Jewish Heritage Week and proclaimed loud without any hesitation, New York is not coming back. New York is back. Well, if New York is back, folks, then maybe Andrew Cuomo was right. Maybe it never was great. But of course he's not right because New York was great and it ain't now. You know, I love the conversations we have with Corey Zelnick. And I think Corey's right. He just happens to be right. Curtis is wrong. There are major, major companies that are coming back to New York and investing in New York. So there's no question it's on its way back. But until they solve this crime issue, it's never going to be back. Never going to be back. And they have not come close to solving it. Yes, some of the numbers are down. We know that. But they were so astronomical to begin with that they almost had to go down. But I don't remember the last time I came to work on a Monday morning and we didn't talk about crime, specifically the subway, over the weekend. I don't remember. So, well, thank God I'm not here on the weekends anymore. I've officially moved back to Bell Harbor, Rockaway, Queens, as of last Wednesday. I mean, I do come into the city and, you know, get some more items because I've got an apartment that's still pretty full with our stuff. In fact, my daughter Ava's there now. So I still kind of come back, but I'm gone. I am officially out of here. So I don't have to worry about the subways over the weekends. 
I never really did when I was here. I traveled quite a bit and took the subways to the gym and did my whole thing. But it's um it's become unbearable. I am yet, Lewis, with all the train traveling I do, I am yet to take the A train. Never done it. Well, it ain't fun. I'll tell you that. No. First of all, it's long. Yeah. It's really long. And then the other, th- it starts rerouting you, yeah. especially early at this hour when I would take it in to the city. All of a sudden, it would not be making five stops. You couldn't stop here. You'd have to. Yeah. That's another thing it does. That's mm. the first thing. And if you go down there taking it, you you just have to know. You have to be aware. That's the first thing. <laughs> if you 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 cannot get on your phone. You cannot turn your back. You get you as soon as you get down to that platform. You've just got to start looking around. That that's, bad, huh? Yeah, it's yeah. Very, but it's the whole train system is like that. Yeah. You just, well, you're right. If you are going down to that platform, if you're going down to the train, you are. You have to be confident the, that you're going to be okay. The closest I've gotten to the A train was I had breakfast yesterday at the last stop. <laughs> oh, at one uh, one sixteen. One sixteen. Yeah, that's. Yeah. And then when you get out of 116, it's a mess. It is a mess. It's a mess. So, <laughs> so what's weird about one, it, it is a mess. So the right side of the street, you've got um, Claudettes and you've got um, meters up, whatever it's called. I don't know. you got nice places. And then you got these brand new buildings right on the beach, which are not cheap. In fact, Eric Ulrich, my friend Eric, lives there. On the left side of the same street are the worst-looking vagrants you've ever seen. Homeless, drug addicts. There's a house, <clears throat> excuse me, there's a house on the beach right there which stores crazy people. Yeah, it's right at the end. Right at the end. Yeah, at the end. And it looks abandoned, except you see, like, all elderly and drug-addled yeah. people stumbling around in there. Yeah. Pretty scary. It's scary. And you're two blocks away Literally two blocks away from homes worth anywhere between $1.5 and $2 million. So Curtis and the Guardian Angels have decided to hit 116th Street. Thank you very much, Curtis. In an effort to help clean up our neighborhood because it's a mess. I mean, 129 is fine. Lovely, nice restaurants. But 116 is a mess. And that's basically New York. One block is okay. The next block, you take your life into your own hands. I mean, let me give you an example. Saturday night, I was invited, as you know, to play in this really cool Craig Carton, Evan Roberts versus Tiki Barber, Brandon Tioni softball game. It was announced last week that Craig Carton's last day at WFAN next Friday, June the 30th. So it's a big deal. It looks like Tiki Barber is going to replace Craig. And it'll be Tiki Barber and Evan Roberts. And the rumors are Sal Licata is going to replace Tiki and work with Brandon Tierney. Those are the rumors. Anyway, the big softball game is Saturday night. They're raising money. Craig is raising money for the Joseph Lem Foundation. Mr. Lem was a hero cop who died in the line of duty. It is a great cause. And over a 1,000 people showed up on Saturday night to our stadium, John Katsimatidi Stadium, the same stadium where the Ferry Hawks play their home games on Staten Island. By the way, Gary Perone did a great job on Saturday. Gary Perone, great job. So you have this game, all these up-man talent people are there. Again, Craig, Evan, Brandon, Tiki, Sal, 
few other folks, Chris McGonigal, all these guys you may or may not recognize, few other celebrities like the former NFL quarterback Ryan Leaf, uh, the guy that Craig does the Fox Sports show with, Cody Decker, former MLB player, me, bunch of uh, really cool celebs. And we ended up playing three games. It was a gorgeous night, gorgeous. We lost the first game. We won the next two. So the Carton and Roberts team wins a championship. And then, by the way, after the game, Carton was hungry, so was I. So Craig took his family, and I took Danielle and Ava. Gabe stayed home. And we went to a place called Angelina's Kitchen in the Staten Island Mall and had a great Italian dinner till about 12.30 a.m. Saturday morning. So it was a long night, but it was a great time. Great time. But when you get off the Verrazano Bridge and you make your way towards that St. George section, where we've got the stadium and the Berry Hawks and Empire Outlets across the street, there's a stretch there that looks like it's not safe. Bottom line, looks like it's not safe. So it doesn't matter what borough you're in, where you are, there's just so many neighborhoods in the boroughs that are just rough. The bottom line is they are just rough. And, I mean, I guess the numbers are going down. That's what they tell us. It doesn't feel that way. But it didn't stop me from having a great weekend again Saturday night. Thanks to Craig Carton, WFAN. That was a great time. Chris Oliveira was there as well. But yesterday, Father's Day, was a really nice day. You know when you look at all the issues, not all of them, but a lot of the issues in America today, you look at a lot of these kids who go out and commit these heinous crimes, shootings and killing other kids, or kids who just end up being lost, roaming the streets, dealing drugs, and even they're doing petty crimes. You know what a lot of these kids have in common? No dads. We don't talk enough about that in America today. We love mom. Mom is great. You know, mom is, she's a nucleus. We get that. But I think in this country, we undervalue, we minimize the importance of dad. And you look at these kids, especially in the urban communities, their their lives go backwards, sideways, early on. There's no father. There's no father. And mom Some of them try hard, work three jobs, four jobs. Some don't. Some are doing drugs and drinking and not watching their kids. They just don't care. But a lot of these kids don't have fathers. So we deserve that day yesterday. We deserve it. And uh, my kids, Ava and Gabe, woke up early, you know, gave me the card, hugged me, kissed me, told me they loved me about 100 times yesterday. We had a very, very nice day, and eventually we made our way towards Jordan's Lobster House, Island Park, Long Island. My buddy Steve owns the place. It was me and my family and Mike Sullivan and his family, the great Mike Sullivan, Brennan and Card, Donna Sullivan, their son Andrew, his girlfriend Penny, and uh, Jackie Hunter. Jackie Hunter, too. Brooklyn people know who Jackie Hunter is, and we had a lovely dinner. It's a beautiful night. You ever been to uh, Jordan's Lobster, Lou? No. Oh, you guys would love it, you and MJ. You'd lo- you like lobster? Well, I know she would. <laughs> oh, she loves lobster? Yes. You don't eat lobster? I eh, rarely. Okay. Rare. It's a great place. Okay. It's not cheap, lobster, obviously, but it was great. And uh, that's how the night ended. Father's Day dinner. Got back late. Got back late Saturday and Sunday and Friday. Friday night, we went to your, your, your favorite place, Rocco's. Saw Vinny and his wife and Bella. In fact, Jen from Dolce. 
Jen, um, Jen Delonjo, she met us for dinner. It was a very, very social weekend. See, here's the issue. We're back in the house. The house is gorgeous, gorgeous, but not everything's done. So, for example, no sinks yet in the bathrooms. The vanities are there. We've got toilets with, you know, the bidets, but there's no sinks. There's only one working sink, and it's all the way upstairs in Gabriel's uh, bathroom. And there's no kitchen. We have a refrigerator, but the kitchen is gone. And the kitchen is going to take about another two or three weeks to be built. So every meal we have, we have to eat out. You have bidets? We do. Every every toilet has a bidet. Okay. The seat is heated. It um, it lights up. It plays music. <laughs> stop. I swear to God. No, it doesn't. It's My wife stop. went to Japan to run the marathon. And she said, Sydney, you have to realize, not the fancy hotels, not the Ritz, you know, not um, whatever's a fancy hotel. Every place you go to in Japan, even the rundown restaurants, have these toilets. She goes, no matter what we do, rebuild in the house, I want these toilets in our bathrooms. They're and we nice. got them. They're nice? Oh, so nice, bro. What? What's different, though? What is... What's different? Okay. You're you sitting, go to the bathroom, sit... and then you sit there, okay. and you hit a button, and... and warm water shoots up and hits you every place you want it to hit you. <laughs> You feel like a million bucks. Okay, it feels it. great. You're clean. I'm sure it's, I'm oh, sure fantastic. It's I'm sure. And then we got showers with like 90 jets, you know. That's great. Oh, we're living large. Yeah, that's good. But we have no glass doors yet, so we can't use the jets for the showers. We can only use the overhead shower. And, again, no kitchen. So we're spending, I'm broke. I swear to God, I'm broke. I am spending <laughs> a fortune on food. Now, not as bad as New York City. I was spending like $2,000 a week. I'm not kidding you. Here in Queens, it's a little cheaper than New York City, but we can't eat home yet. Yeah, Manhattan's, forget about oh, it. Oh, Manhattan's the worst. Every, every the dumbest night. place to live in the world. So stupid. For nothing. For what? For what? Yes, I'm close to work. I did like that. Right now, i got to take a 40-minute ride with Gene or Levi to get to the office. And it's uh, costing a lot of money, which, by the way, I'm going to tell uh, Chad, John, and Next contract, you're paying for that. I am not paying to get to work anymore. Number one radio host in New York City, I'm not paying anymore. And you want that's a costing me two thousand dollars a month. And you want a bidet in the car? So yes, I do. So yes, work I do. and shoot. Work it. that yes. out. Yeah, yes. figure it out. <laughs> yeah. So we got no kitchen. So we got to eat out every single meal. So it's one bagel place for breakfast. Then it's some diner for lunch. And then it's you know two three hundred bucks on dinner. Now you have ovens, you have you have microwave we have everything. ovens, so you can heat things. No, you can't eat. You no, can't eat it. You can't no. even heat a leftover. No, no, no. Oh. But it'll be done in three weeks. The kitchen. Okay. That's the last thing, and then we'll uh, be able to really, really enjoy the house. So right now it's kind of like seventy percent, if that makes sense. Okay, I'll come over with uh, some Chinese food. It'll be nice. Yeah, sure. You should. I want to use the bathroom before <laughs> yeah, well, that happens. Oh, the, you're going to love the bathroom. I'll probably stay there for a couple hours, so you won't see me. <laughs> the bathroom is great. Hey, this feels good. Hey, all right. <laughs> Water shoots uh, up everywhere. Oh, it's the best. Sometimes I sit there for like twenty minutes. No, that's not. Now I go I to can... the. To- I don't even make. I just go to the toilet just to sit there yep, and do that. Right. I'll, yeah, I'll beat you. No, no, no. no. <laughs> oh, listen, we got a great guest list today on your Monday morning. Great guest list. Start things off as we always do with Curtis Sliwa. He's coming up at 7.05. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken is in China. First time in five years, the Secretary of State has visited China. 
We'll talk to Gordon Chang about that at 725. Coming up at 740 for his regular Monday visit, the great witch Lowry, 825 Nuggets with Gnome, 840. The brilliant attorney Alan Dershowitz. And coming up at 925, running for city council in Brooklyn, one of my favorite local politicians, Inna Vernikoff. The number is always 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Welcome back, folks. Monday morning with me, Sid Rosenberg, exclusively on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. at 6.30 on this Monday morning. I guess today is Ann Wilson's birthday. Nancy Wilson is, a, is the other lead singer. Another way no, around. Ann's a lead singer. That's right. Okay. So this is her singing right now. Yes. So why does Nancy get all the pub? I feel like she does, at least. Does um, she write the songs? Yeah, they both did. Okay. Because they always attach Nancy Wilson to heart. She just performed, actually. Well, she is performing. No, last week. We gave away tickets to Chaz, Palm, and Terry. Which one was it? Nancy? It was on uh, Nancy. Nancy. Right. Well, then maybe, I think one of, maybe. I think, I think, you, I think it is not, Nancy, the lead singer, no? No. No, Nancy's okay. the guitarist. That's I'm weird. positive of it. They both sing. Who's singing right now in this song? It's Nancy. It's Nancy. Okay. Very confusing. Now, there's, yeah. now there, there is one of them is in one of the movies we always quote. What's that? Um, there's a scene. Where Judge Reinhold... Fast Times at Ridgemont yes. High. Yes. 
Who is she? Which part is she? Now, remember when he worked for the second place? The fish place? Yes. Yeah. And he had like to, Arthur Treat was yes, fishing. And chips. he had to put the uh, the hat on. The hat on. Yeah. Now remember when he starts driving? Yeah. And he comes up to a light. Uh huh. And he's they stop, and there's a woman that drives up right next to him. Yeah. That's Nancy Wilson. No kidding. Yes. How about that? Yeah. That's a huge scene. Yeah, that's huge. Nancy, and he. And he started, he thinks he's flirting with her, and he right. forgets he's wearing the stupid hat. And then he pulls the hat off. Right, but she drives away laughing. And then he goes home and um, <laughs> masturbates in the bathroom while Phoebe Cates takes her bikini top off on the diving board. Yeah. Yeah, great scene. Well, you got to solve <laughs> problems with something. That's just how I look at it. It's <laughs> always going to yeah. be a silver lining. It's a great movie, that's Fast her, Times at Richmond High. But that's her and that's No kidding. Didn't yes. know that. Nancy Wilson. Yeah. So what I find silly is Sunday mornings on these Sunday morning news shows, they bring on these candidates who have no chance of winning. There's no chance. Zero. Chris Christie has zero chance of winning. The fat bastard can yell and scream all he wants about Donald Trump. He's got zero chance of winning. Doesn't matter how much money Steve Cohen of the Mets gives to Chris Christie or Anthony Scaramucci, he's got no chance of winning. You know what has no chance of winning? I mean, zero. Mike Pence. I'm not even going to mention Asa Hutchinson. So they sit down with these guys on these Sunday morning shows, and they ask them questions as if they were going to win. Like, for example, hey, Mike Pence, he's on with Chuck Todd yesterday. Chuck Todd is basically running out the clock. That's over in September. So NBC meet the press. Mike Pence is sitting there. And Chuck Todd asks him, would you pardon Donald Trump as if Mike Pence is ever in a million years going to get that opportunity? So I don't care what the answer is because the whole hypothetical is so ridiculous. There are things in life you just don't know. It could happen. Mike Pence winning this primary cannot happen. But for laughs, we'll play it anyway. This is Mike Pence with Chuck Todd, once again, courtesy of Meet the Press and NBC, talking about the possibility of pardoning Donald Trump. Lewis, this is cut number 17. You have been asked a few times whether you would pardon the former president if he's convicted and if you were the president, would you? Well, I just think the question is, is premature. I mean, honestly, Chuck, I've, I've, I've pardoned people who were found guilty of a crime. What's your what, what is your bar? What was your bar for a pardon? Well, let let me say first and foremost, I, I don't know why some of my competitors in the Republican primary presume the president will be found guilty. Look, all we know is what what the president has been accused of in the indictment. We don't know what his defense is. We don't know if this will even go to trial. It could be subject to a motion to dismiss. We don't know what the verdict. Uh, will be mm-hmm. of the jury. If you were President Biden, would you pardon him right now? I, I just think this whole matter is incredibly divisive for the country. Uh, and uh, look, I, uh, I just think at the end of the day, it, it's, it, it, is, it, it is saddening to me that we are now in this moment. Well said. I mean, the answer for Mike Pence was great. It was measured... He was right. Let's not just attach a guilty verdict to Trump, even though it doesn't look good. His answer was terrific. 
But the hypothetical is so silly because he'll never get that opportunity. It's like uh, on Face the Nation. No, excuse me, State of the Union, CBS, uh, CNN with Jake Tapper. They asked Chris Christie, you know, will you um, will you pledge support to any GOP presidential nominee? And, of course, he takes every opportunity to bash Donald Trump. So here's his answer, Chris Christie Lewis, cut number 14. Jake, I'm going to go back to 2016 again and say I'm going to take no. the pledge just as seriously as Donald Trump took it in 2016. As you'll remember, Reince Priebus had to go up to Trump Tower to get him to sign it, to ask him to do so. He did, and then we went to a subsequent debate, and we were all asked if we would reaffirm our support of whoever the nominee was going to be by raising our hand. There were ten of us on the stage. Nine of us raised our hands. The one who didn't was Donald Trump. Um, And so I'll take the pledge in 2024 just as seriously as Donald Trump took the pledge in 2016. You may as well take it right now, fatso. And then he goes on to talk about only in the Trump era do we have to sign a pledge. One more, once again, courtesy of Jake Tapper, CNN, State of the Union, Chris Christie, cut number 15. Look, I think the pledge uh, is is just a useless idea, Jake. And by the way, um, in all my life, um, we never had to have Republican primary candidates take a pledge. You know, we were Republicans. And the idea is you'd support the Republican whether you won or whether you lost. And you didn't have to ask somebody to sign something. It's only the era of Donald Trump right. um, that you need somebody to sign something on a pledge. So I think it's a bad idea. I've expressed that to, to Ronna Romney McDaniel personally, directly. So this is not the first time she's hearing it. But look, I will do what I need to do to be up on that stage Mm -hmm. to try to save my party and save my country from going down the road Mm -hmm. of being led by three-time loser Uh. Donald Trump. Loser in 2018 by losing the House. Loser in 2020 by losing the White House and the United States Senate. Loser, loser, loser. Yeah. And what have you won? I mean, you were the governor of New Jersey, and then uh, you caused all kinds of chaos. Chris Christie should take a pledge to eat a salad. How about that, fatso? How about take a pledge to eat a salad once in a while and not a double cheeseburger from Wendy's? Don't worry about Trump. He won the presidency. You've never come close. Joe Nolan and Traffic are coming up next. Right now it's time for the 77 WABC Clip of the Day. Listen to the Cats Roundtable with my guy, John Katsimatidis. That's my guy. That's where common sense prevails. Always telling both sides of the story. Every Sunday morning starting at 8. And, of course, listen, anytime on the 77 WABC app, here John talks with Dr. Sky. What is today's uh, Steve Tates, also known as Dr. Sky? He makes our minds wander. The story continues to talk about, let's say, this 30-foot-long spacecraft that was pulled out of a mountain. Some of the technicians on the ground, John, actually tried to go inside this object. Now, we're saying maybe 30 feet on the outside, but when they went in, they became disoriented, nausea and dizziness, claiming that it was the interior was the size of a football field, meaning that something is warping space-time. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. 
Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers. A winless day yesterday on the diamond for the Mets and Yankees. Both teams just uh, wildly underwhelming uh, right now. Both clubs suffered series losses uh, for the weekend. The Yanks got swept by the Red Sox in Boston after dropping both legs of a doubleheader yesterday. 6-2 to two is your final from game one with a big sixth inning out of the Boston Bats propelling them to the victory. A first inning two-run homer from Glaber Torres was all the Bombers would be able to muster up on offense, and it was more of the same from them in Game 2's 4-1 to final as Red Sox starter Brian Bellow made easy work of the sputtering Yanks offense to help uh, finish off the sweep for Boston. Now at 39-33 overall and 10.5 games back of the AL East first place, Tampa Rays. The Yanks get set to welcome in the Seattle Mariners for a three-game series starting tomorrow night at 7.05 p.m. Now for the Mets, who came up short against the visiting St. Louis Cardinals in their series finale yesterday, losing 8-7. to Despite the loss, the Bats did show up in this one, but home runs from Tommy Pham and Francisco Lindor weren't enough to add bash two Nolan Arenado shots to go along with Paul DeYoung and Jordan Walker home runs out of uh, St. Louis. Now five games under 500 at 33 and 38 overall. The Mets sit 12 and a half games back of the NL East first place Braves. They'll head to Houston next to open up a three game set against the Astros. Max Scherzer will take the hill in game one tonight at 8 10 p.m. going up against Houston's Hunter Brown. And in Los Angeles, Wyndham Clark wins Golf's US Open with a 10 under par performance uh, to secure his first career major championship, the 293rd ranked golfer in the official world golf ranking just a year ago. He had never finished better than a tie for 75th in a major championship. And he's able to hold off the best golfers in the world this weekend in Los Angeles to win the 123rd U.S. Open at L.A. Country Club. Here with sports, sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best-built boilers. And I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Bullet the blue sky, you too. 648 on your Monday morning. Covered a bunch already. My great weekend, which included the big...
Craig Carton celebrity softball game on Staten Island Saturday and a beautiful Father's Day dinner with the Sullivans at Jordan's Lobsters on Sunday. Did the Chris Christie, Mike Penn stuff. Rough weekend for the Yanks. <laughs> they get swept by the Red Sox. I was having dinner with Rocco's on Friday. Glance at the TV for like two seconds. It was like 10 nothing or something. It was embarrassing. They get swept, and the Yankees are now just six games over 500 after 72 games. Find themselves five and a half behind the second-place Baltimore Orioles, ten and a half behind the division-leading Tampa Bay Rays, and if the season ended today, the Yankees would not make the playoffs because right now the top two wild-card teams are the Orioles and the Angels. Now, the Yanks are right there. They're right behind them with the Astros and Toronto, but uh, the Yankees would not make the playoffs today. But that's not the big baseball news or the Mets, who lost another weekend series, two out of three to St. Louis. And if the Yanks are bad, ten and a half behind Tampa Bay. The Mets are now twelve and a half behind the Braves at thirty-three and thirty-eight. That's that team's over. It's done. But the big baseball controversy, which I covered a lot on this show, and Bill O'Reilly really started it, was last Friday night where the Dodgers hosted the San Francisco Giants in L.A. Dodgers also struggling. Six games over, but third place inside the NL West. Half a game behind San Francisco, four back of the division-leading Arizona Diamondbacks. So they host the uh, the Giants, and the big story is is that they celebrate this uh, LBGTQ Pride Month by inviting this horrible anti-Catholic group, Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, to Los Angeles. Now, this group, just so you know, folks, LBGQ group, uh, whatever, I don't know, letters, I'm tired of it. So uh, they um, they make fun of Jesus. They put on these skits where there's um, sexual innuendo, there's, they use condoms in place of religious items, they're grotesque, they're disrespectful, and they bash Catholicism, and Christianity every step of the way. So I guess there was a lot of complaints, and the Dodgers decided not to invite them. But then there were even more complaints, so the Dodgers re-invited them. And despite people like Bill O'Reilly and Sid Rosenberg and Joseph Tacopina and others yelling and screaming, the Dodgers went on with it on Friday night. Now, there was a Dodger pitcher. His name is Trevor Williams. Was he cut because of this? Now he's on the Washington Nationals. What is the story, Justin, with uh, Trevor Williams? Uh, I mean, a lot of people are are pretty much assuming, making the assumption that, yes, he was cut from the Dodgers because of this issue, because he has pretty good numbers. He had pretty good numbers. He was one of their better relievers right? Uh, coming out of the bullpen. And then uh, this whole thing goes down. They DFA him. Or they cut him, whatever you want to call it. And right. then a few days later, the Nationals pick him up. He's a guy that's uh, Catholic, goes to church, takes his religion very, very seriously. And he destroyed the Dodger organization, as he should, and Rob Manfred, the MLB commissioner. This is uh, Trevor Williams, former Dodger pitcher, now Nationals pitcher, on this grotesque event to celebrate Pride Month that the Dodgers put on in Los Angeles on Friday night, Lewis, Trevor Williams, cut number eight. 
I didn't say anything anti-pride in my statement. I tried to be as charitable as possible. I just, I truly just wanted to point out the hypocrisy that the Dodgers code of conduct says you cannot make fun of a group yet. We're honoring this group at the expense of making fun of this group. Okay, so, so your that, issues with the mockery they're making of your faith. Correct. And it, the mockery of it, and then the Dodgers not upholding, not following their own rules. Trevor goes on to say, listen, a lot of people feel the same way that I do, and the good news is I've got a voice. Former Dodger reliever Trevor Williams, cut number nine. Had a lot of people come out and, and reach out to me, um, former teammates, um, current teammates, um, even like stadium workers. When we were at Dodger Stadium, when this statement was made, just walking through the tunnels, getting to the clubhouse, I've had, I had stadium workers come up to me and thank me. So a lot of people have reached out um, thanking me for my courage and thanking me for making this statement because a lot of people feel like they either don't have a big enough voice um, to say something or they are afraid of the backlash. Trevor made it very, very clear that while winning baseball games, whether Los Angeles or Washington is important, it's not as important as getting to heaven. And this move, that'll get him there. Trevor Williams, cut number 10. This is something that I believe is truth, right? And it's something that um, this is this is Trevor the Catholic man tweeting this. Um I what I what I did I believed was true and I had to stick up for our truth. And at the end of the day, baseball is important and it's given me a lot of tremendous opportunities. Um, it's a privilege to play this game and I'm thankful for everyone who's given me an opportunity. Um, but when I die, hopefully in a state of grace, and St. Peter greets me at the gates, he's not going to ask what your win loss record was in 2023. He's just going to how did you you know how did you build the kingdom of heaven? So Tulsi Gabbard who Frank Morano tells me will be at the Women's Republican Club. I know Pamela Garber at the Women's Republican Club speaking on 51st Street later on tonight right here in New York City. She spoke out on this horrendous, grotesque, awful group, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. And she's right. Whether you're Jewish, Catholic, Buddhist, it doesn't matter. Everybody needs to denounce this group. This, Lewis, is Tulsi Gabbard. Cut number 11. So tonight is the night that the obscene Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence are going to be honored and celebrated by the L.A. Dodgers. So my question is this. Why should the L.A. Dodgers and state legislators be proud to honor and celebrate this group whose literal claim to fame is their offensive anti-Catholic and anti-Christian religious bigotry? Now is the time that we all need to denounce this hate, to denounce this bigotry, no matter what your religion may be or if you follow no religion at all. And one more, Kaylee McEnany. You remember her? Spokeswoman for Trump. She was on Fox. She ain't going to call them sisters, Lois. Kaylee McEnany, cut number 12. It's disgusting, and I will no longer call them the sisters of perpetual indulgence. I will call them the mockers. They are not sisters. They are mockers. You know what mockers do? They pull dance around crosses. They have Foxy Mary contests, hunky Jesus contests. They say things like go forth and send, send some more active distortion of biblical principle and scripture. These are mockers. I went to high school with sisters, uh, and they are beautiful people. They are lovely people. They deserve respect. They are some of the best among us. You know what sisters do? You know what Catholics do? You know what Christians do? We pray in the face of adversity, which is what the Catholics for Catholics are doing today. Wow. This is a really ugly incident. It'll go away. We'll forget about it. 
We'll be talking in a month again about a heated race in the NL West between the Dodgers and the Giants and the Diamondbacks. And Yankee fans and Met fans will call WFAN today disgusted over another bad weekend. Both teams now double digits back inside their own divisions. Once again, Yankees 10.5 behind Tampa Bay, Mets 12.5 behind Atlanta. And that'll be the discussion because that's how it goes. Sports fans are the most forgiving people ever, right? I mean, how many fans said to you when Colin Kaepernick took a knee, I'm done with the NFL, I'm done? They weren't done. How many sports fans said to you when former running back Ray Rice knocked out his girlfriend with one punch inside an elevator, I'm done? They weren't done. And how many fans this weekend are disgusted by the Los Angeles Dodgers, by Rob Manfred, the baseball commissioner, and said, I'm done. You can bet on this one, folks. It's collecting interest right now. They ain't going to be done. That's a sports fan. The most forgiving people in the world. Bullet the Blue Sky, you too. And I can see those spider planes. And I can see those spider planes. Across the mud huts and children sleep. Through the alleys of quiet city street. We take the staircase to the first floor. We turn the key and slowly unlock the door. As a man breathes into a saxophone. And through the walls we hear the city grow. Outside it's America. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Well, thank God he wasn't shot through the heart. He wouldn't be sitting with me right now. The classic Bon Jovi got a great guest list ahead of you today, folks. Gordon Chang, Rich Lowry, Alan Dershowitz, Inna Vernikoff. But we did talk earlier. I brought it up to the traffic guy, Joe Nolan. Now, today happens to be the 31-year commemoration. Anniversaries are nice things. This isn't nice. 31-year commemoration of when the Gotti family put six bullets in Curtis Sleewa's stomach. So thank God he was not, as Bon Jovi stated there, shot through the heart. But uh, Curtis, as you start this Monday morning, and you're on every day this week also, you can listen to Curtis noon to one. He's great every weekday afternoon and all weekend long. You start off uh, this first appearance of the week, and you've got an issue, if you will, with one aforementioned Joseph Nolan. Yo, before I get to Joseph Nolan, hey, Lou, you know, I hate you more than ever before. <laughs> he picked that shot. Now, by the way, let me correct you. He hit me with five hollow-point bullets, Michael Leonardi. He did fire six. And little Nick, Nick Carrazzo, head of the Gambinos in uh, Canarsie, who said, I hate this guy. Gotti, I'll do it for you. You don't got to pay me off. 
said, don't try to shoot him in the head, because that was their execution of Michael Leonardi, who also grew up in Canarsie. Michael said, I know how to whack people, huh? You always trusted me to whack people. I'm going to shoot him in the head. Little Nick said, don't shoot him in the head. First shot, he went for the head shot, missed me, and then got me with five as he aerated my lower intestines. Lucky I was able to jump out of that cab and end up sucking asphalt on the street on Avenue B and 6. Well, I would understand why you'd be upset with Michael and the other gentlemen. They did shoot you, but... Why would you be angry with Joseph Nolan? What did he do? In this? Oh, Joe uh-oh, Nolan, uh-oh. he was having a good old time, right? <laughs> Mr. Jersey City. Oh, maybe he'll go out tonight for dinner with the Gotties. Well, let me tell you something. September 11th, right? Big night. Opening Bills versus Jets met like right? uh, Week one, yes. And Aaron Joe- Rodgers debut Jets and Bills, big AFC East matchup. Right. And uh, typical Joe Nolan will be half in the bag before the game. Jay! No, 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 sweetheart, he cannot be hep in the bag before the game because he works. He's the PA announcer at Giant Stadium for the Jets. He'll be half in the bag. If you know Joe Nolan, he's always half in the bag. So guess what, guys, and you're a Jet fan, and I don't dislike the Jets, but there is a guy out there who already put the curse on the Mets. Remember at the start of the season, George Santos, the drag queen congressman from the North Shore, Long Island. Remember what he said? Remember? Hey, guys. Today is opening day. As a good old Mets fan, I know you guys aren't going to be playing until April 6th back home. But in good old fashion, let's go Mets. The curse of George Santos is upon the Mets. Now, look at Let me just say this. There's no other logical reason why a baseball team with that payroll and that much talent after 71 games is five games under 500. So I'm buying into this. And George you Santos see, did it. if I would have been not Tiki Barber, the replacement for Carton, although you didn't put uh, my two cents I in did. there, did I did. Uh, Chris Olivero certainly chose me. What the hell does Tiki Barber know about baseball? <laughs> or Stephen A. Smith? They know nothing about baseball. Uh, you know, you say that nothing. I'm going to say this. I've now played two celebrity softball games with Tiki Barber. One was uh, Dolores' Real Housewives of New Jersey game in Brooklyn two years ago. The game ended with Tiki Barber making a spectacular catch on a screaming line drive to shortstop. And Saturday night on Staten Island, with all these great players there, the play of the day by far was a diving. I mean, his body was vertical catch in center field by Tiki Barber. Two games with Tiki I'm talking Vic Works. You know, you know who Two taught of the greatest catches ever. Coughlin. Coughlin taught him to hold on to the ball. Before <laughs> that, right. he was fumbling all over the place. That's right. He knows nothing about baseball, but let's get back on track. So, Joe Nolan, you make fun of me, right? The Mets look at him. 33-38, as you mentioned, Verlander, Scherzer, Lindor. They're great ball players. I, I hate the Mets, but they're great ball players. It's the curse of the drag queens. <laughs> look at what happened in L.A. Dodgers Stadium, Chavez Ravine, right? They, they brought the drag queens on, Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. The first game that Friday night, six innings of no-hit ball. The Dodger, rookie guy, a phenom. And then they lost 7-5. And the next day, 15 nothing. they lost to the Giants. <laughs> yeah. The largest yeah. home loss in 125 yeah. years. Yeah. And how come the San Francisco Giants 
the epicenter of gays and lesbians and transgenders and the house of the sisters of perpetual indulgence have never honored them at their stadium. Not Candlestick Park when you froze your tuckers off or the new stadium downtown where you hit a pop fly and it goes into the bay. Think about that because they know. They know there's no room for drag queens in baseball. And now let me tell you, Joe Nolan, you like Aaron Rodgers. He's all over the place. He's 40 years old. He's got number eight, right, the throwback jersey. It's selling like hotcakes. Guess who's going to put on the number eight Jets, Aaron Rodgers, throwback jersey, and wish the Jets luck on September 11th the night Opening season, Bills, Jets, MetLife Stadium, but Congressman Drag Queen George Santos. How do you know this? He's I know said that. It? Better, better start taking up a pool oh and bribe God. him. Bribe him, Joe Dolan, oh not to God. put that jersey on. Yeah. Because this, this will cause the Jets to be impaired <laughs> in perpetuity. That's why I should have been on WFAN. Nobody else makes those connections. They're talking analytics. That's boring. Am I right or wrong on this? Uh, listen, I'm buying it. I There's am buying it. There's no room in baseball for drag queens. Totally agree. There must have been drag queens at Fenway Park on Friday night. How else can you explain that Yankee embarrassing loss to the Red Sox? Oh, yeah, I can. There's no Aaron Rodgers. Without, oh, I, you mean Aaron Judge. Excuse me. Yeah. You see, I'm Aaron yeah. Rodgers phobic now. <laughs> yeah. uh, there was no Aaron Judge. Yeah. Without Aaron Judge, the Yankees suck. That's and I'm true. a Yankees fan. But by the way, Aaron Judge is responsible for scoring runs, and the Yankees can't pitch. has nothing to do with Aaron Judge. I do want to ask you, though, about that day 31 years ago. Yes. So take me back to that day. You're in the cab. You mentioned the two guys. Try to shoot you six times. Missed your head. Got your stomach five times. Did you even know, did you have any inkling that there really was a hit out there on you? Oh, I knew because uh, they had threatened uh, to put me six feet under in a cardboard box. Because remember, I was disparaging Gotti Sr. He was on trial for the last time. Ended up going triple life without parole. Marion in Illinois. Uh, and luckily died of throat cancer. Oh, I danced the Tarantella he, he, he when he suffered. anything. This uh, this government shot him up, and they actually gave him cancer. Right, it doesn't matter. I applaud them, whoever did that. Uh, so. well, this is where you and I disagree. I, 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 listen, uh, outside the kid, the neighbor who killed the kid, that was an accident. John Gotti didn't bother you unless you bothered him. Oh, sure. He was the end of a great era. Oh, sure. You weren't at the trial. Beautiful Apparently, you weren't at the trial where John Gotti Sr. gave the orders to John Gotti Jr. to have me whacked. Well, you deserved it. Oh. Yes. And like Vic Amuso now, right? Yes. Little Vic Amuso. You gotta let him out. He's oh, you gotta let, let him out. Me out. Are you he's, kidding me? He's, he was, 80, he's 88 years old. He's sick. Head of the Lucchese crime so family. What? And where was was he born and raised? Canarsie. Where did he go live in Howard Beach? Canarsie to Howard Beach seems to be the plan, but no one loves you more than me. I mean this sincerely. I love you to death, but sometimes you deserve me, to get shot. You, you deserve to get shot. You love me so much. Yeah. So if the boys, the Lucchese's, come after me now because yeah. I want Vicar Musso to go straight to hell without an asbestos suit, yes. or the Gattis, a few Gambinos or, who are left. Or the Genovese. Right. Uh, if all of a sudden they pull their toolies out, would you jump in front of me and take a bullet for me? Not a chance. Of course. You're not my <laughs> kumbada cheech like Rudy Giuliani. What is wrong with you? You think Rudy Giuliani would take a bullet for you? Are you high? Never. Did you see the Netflix series Fear City, in which I let it off? You were great not. And then Rudy goes the rest of the way as he showed you how he wired up all these Gavones homes. Five heads of organized crime like Christmas trees. And one day. Just wired them all up. You gotta go. If you haven't seen it yet, you gotta get the Netflix four part series 
of Fear City and see what I did against the mob. And Rudy even said, man, you are a crazy kid. No, you are. You are crazy. You still are crazy. I mean, you still say something and get your shot. Uh, talking about getting shot, uh, Curtis, a couple of weeks ago, you took issue with my friend Arthur Idala oh. because he said he's been on the subways. <laughs> it's not as bad. Fine. Okay. So, yeah. Would you tell him to stick to the law? He actually, oh. on your show, came on and said, oh, I'm down in the subway three times a day. It's not so bad down there. What is he going to say now, huh, Sid? Well, the truth is he's still taking the subway like I am. Neither one of us have been mugged, shot, or raped well, yet. Wait, you said you haven't taken the A train back to your no, palazzo. I won't do it. No, no, no. I will accompany no, you. No, doesn't matter. With no. Lou. No, no. We'll take the H. And by the way, I have Guardian Angels patrolling Beach 116th Street. Thank you. No cops. Thank you. But the Guardian Angels are there because it is. It's become very shady, very dicey. Last stop of the connection from Broad Channel. You could either go to Beach 116th Street where you thought, oh, the Irish Riviera, I'm safe. Or Mott Avenue. Oh, my God. I better wear a bulletproof body condom, man. You'll be doing drive-by shootings on the train above ground. I know. So, so no, this... come on. One morning, I take you back there. You and Lou, I'll no, protect no. you. Come on, man. No. Hey, no. Hey, wait. Eric Adams, he doesn't have any more cops down there. You know the overtime is over tomorrow. Tomorrow the overtime is over. And I took a shot at Eric at the top of the show because we keep hearing the subway numbers are down. Uh, three more violent crimes this weekend. Two people end up dead. One on the J train, and I guess where was the other person dead on uh, Union the number Square? Four train and the yeah. train pulls into Union Square, dies on the way to <laughs> Bellevue. You had the other guy. Remember, you had the Black Hood Samaritan intervenes on the J train as it stops at Marcy Avenue. Another stabbing at uh, you had Myrtle Avenue and Broadway on the J train, and the three women slashed on the four train right there at eighty six in Lexington. Where even Joan Hamburg says she lives right there. My my kids won't let me go out at night. It's so dangerous. Eighty six in Lexington. And where is your mayor, mayor of the illegal aliens, all weekend marching around Juneteenth? Four people marching for Juneteenth. A holiday that makes no sense. Stupid. I sent you. I sent you the picture. Right, the one float, all festooned in red. Sponsored by Popeyes, which is a death sentence. You go into Popeyes, <laughs> you're gonna be in the ICU. You're gonna be in the ER. Clogged arteries, heart attacks, strokes. <laughs> the number one killer of people of color is eating that fried crap. And so they're sponsoring the float. And then they have a James Brown imitator up there. Solo budget. Oh my God. It, and this was Juneteenth. Where was this? Where was this? It's it? just in Harlem. Oh. There's like four people along the oh, street. And of course, Eric Adams was at every Juneteenth uh, celebration. And I said, uh, brothers, sisters, do you even know what Juneteenth is? Nobody knows. You know, it's the Emancipation of Proclamation, January 1st, 19, excuse me, 1863, in the middle of the Civil War. The reason they won't celebrate that, because who did it? Lincoln. The Republican, right. Lincoln, who right. started the Republican right. Party, right. and the Democrats were pro-slavery. So they don't want to remind you that Lincoln freed the slaves, that the North sacrificed tens of thousands of white soldiers to free the slaves. It was the Republicans and not the Democrats who wanted them picking cotton and in slavery to the day they died. Well said, Curtis Lee. Well, one more for you. Again, you've got the Guardian Angels on Beach 116, which my neighborhood does appreciate. But I thought about you yesterday, too, because yesterday was the 41st annual Mermaid Parade 
in uh, Coney Island. That's a freak show, by the way, a, a really rough, rough watch. But not exactly great down there either. Right there, the Surf Avenue, I guess, and down by uh, Nathan's and uh, the amusement park. And the boardwalk. They walk the along the boardwalk. Yeah. Uh, these are women who expose their mammary <laughs> glands. They have little pasties on them. They yeah. pretend to be mermaids There's and sirens. There are guys that well, do that. Well, you know, nowadays a lot of yeah. transgenders, they've taken uh, some of those hormone shots, you know. They have these huge mammary glands. Some of the guys there haven't had a woman in, like, years. They're, like, salivating. Wow, you want to go home with me? And the guy goes, wait a second, I got to shave first. I mean, it's just what you get at the mermaid party. You know, I was King Neptune in the year 2000. No way. I was King Neptune. By the way, this year, King Neptune, they chose some idiot rapper who didn't even show up. So they only had the queen. You know who my queen was uh, in the annual guess. Mermaid Day Parade? Uh, you got to give me one hint. One hint. Go ahead. Uh, East Orange, OPP, you and me, hey, hip-hop, hooray. Faith Evans? Queen Latifah. Oh, my God. That's, oh a, God. that's I, a real queen. I thought we were going to have Jungle Fever oh. there. She was my queen. I was Kim Neptune. <laughs> and all of a sudden, she looked at me and she said... Curtis, I respect what you've done, especially in Newark, nearby East Orange, where I grew up. But I don't go your way. You know, I like a little of that uh, that shot of late from females. Yes, that broke yeah. my heart. Oh, but it's not you. Don't take but it personally. But she was my queen. I know, but she likes vagina. And then all of a sudden, we walked all over. I had no shoes on. I was walking on the asphalt. It was 120 degrees in the shade. I had bubbles on the bottom of my feet. <laughs> and at the end of the parade, it's so decadent and hedonistic. She's there. She has a basket full of fruits. She throws it into the polluted water of Coney Island there because, you know, there are a lot of flies. And, Jetson. and I had to swim out and retrieve it. I did everyone simply to make sure my burning dogs would actually survive. And then I went and had some dirty water hot dogs at Nathan's. Oh, my God. What a day. There he is, folks. That's why he's on every weekday morning. It doesn't matter. Whatever's going on in New York City, whether it's the subways, the Mermaid Parade, Rockaway Beach 116, the Mayor Eric Adams, George Santos, the Met Curse, there is nothing my man Curtis doesn't know doesn't get involved. Then you, my friend, are the greatest New Yorker ever. Oh, I'm going out there. I'm going to talk to all the brothers on the subway now and say, Juneteenth, you know what that is? <laughs> oh, is that like Kwanzaa? You know, nobody knows what Kwanzaa is. You should is. do that. You should take a, a, a little tape recorder out to the streets. Oh, and why, does, why doesn't Justin come with me? Are you too afraid, <laughs> Justin, to come out and confront the brothers and sisters? I confronted Dominic Carter last night, right? I said, yo, Dominic, what's up with this June 19th? Uh, 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 Juneteenth, uh, <laughs> Well, I, something about Galveston. Aye, aye, aye. What about the proclam- the Emancipation of Proclamation, Abraham Lincoln, January 1st, 1863, and all the white men who died to free the slaves. The Republican Party freed the slaves. The Democrats wanted to keep black people enslaved. And they've continued to enslave them through propaganda so they're not free agents, so they get the shaft. While illegal aliens come in and get what's rightfully there. Yeah, Eric Adams, mayor of the illegal aliens. You talk about, oh, I'm number one brother. I take care of the sisters. No, you don't. You're the mayor of the illegal aliens. And what happened to law and order? Get back into the subways. Get out of all the clubs you go to at night and see what's going on in the subways. Should have elected me. And you know what? People are now saying, don't blame me. I voted for Sliwa.
Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. From today will be in Ojica Castle with my friend Richard Salgado, a.k.a. Big Daddy, his sixth annual golf tournament, raising money for St. Jude's Children's Research Center. It's a huge day, huge, huge event, huge. Uh, some of the names, Curtis just mentioned Jets quarterback Aaron Rodgers. He's supposed to be there. Tom Brady. Starting quarterback for the Giants, Daniel Jones, former Giant great Eli Manning, host of others. That's a week from today. Sunday is my wedding anniversary, 31 years to the beautiful Danielle. My next guest after the great Curtis Sliwa is an amazing man. He's brilliant. He really is. And he's a great Twitter follow. You must follow him at Gordon G. Chang. That's at Gordon G. Chang on Twitter. And this being a very historic day. With Secretary of State Blinken, first time in five years, the Secretary of State went to China, set to meet with Xi in Beijing. What better man to talk to than Gordon Chang? With that said, happy Monday morning, Gordo. Happy Monday morning, Sid. Nice to have you back. So this uh, this meeting today, first let's start with this. Tensions obviously very, very high between the U.S. and China. They were with Trump, but he did a good job to kind of Muzzle it. It's been brutal since Biden took office. Does this meeting today with the Secretary of State and G these last five days, does it calm down some of the tensions or not at all? It will calm down the tensions for a very short period, and then they will increase. And they'll increase because the Xi Jinping has taken the measure of the Biden administration and realizes it is not willing to defend the interests of the United States. So why wouldn't um, China assault us? You know, when Biden said just a few days ago that the spy balloon was not intentional, was an embarrassment to Beijing, you know, China knew that Biden had to know that Biden was not telling the truth. And that means that they perceive Biden to be weak. And so therefore, they will continue the assault. They uh, do, right? I mean, spy balloons and Chinese police stations all over the place. And, I mean, uh, almost every day there's a different story involving some type of espionage, spying the Chinese. So we can't expect that Blinken going to China is going to quell any of that, right? Any of it. That's correct. It will not quell any of that. And with Henry Kissinger saying, again, that war with China is probable, Uh, you know, Biden is trying with his policies to prevent that. But he's actually accelerating it because Biden is further eroding deterrence. The only way that we are going to avoid war with China, and by the way, war with China will not stay conventional. The only way that we can avoid war with China is if we convince the Chinese that we will impose unacceptable costs on Beijing for acts of aggression. Biden won't say that. The Chinese know he won't say that. And therefore, they think they have an opportunity to invade and annex neighbors. You know, it's not just the president. Biden clearly much weaker than Donald Trump. 
Trump not afraid to threaten anybody and everybody. And that's why, for the most part, there were no issues around the world. I mean, you go back to the time when, again, he sat with the leader of the Taliban and pointed out a map and said, here's where your wife and kids are. I know where they are. See this red dot? You harm one hair on an American soldier, I'm going to blow you all up, all of you. And nobody died. And Biden took over, and 13 were dead in about three months. That's not the way Biden rules. But the Secretary of State, you look at a guy, Gordon, like Mike Pompeo, for example. Tough guy compared to Anthony Blinken. So forgetting about the president's, even that position, this administration is about 10 times weaker. Well, it certainly is. And we know this because as soon as Biden took office, the Chinese were saying that the United States could no longer talk to China from a from a position of strength. That was when they sent their top two diplomats to Anchorage in March of 2021. So the change in China's attitude was immediate. Now, President Trump was unpredictable. He was tough. And whatever one may say about him, he kept the peace for four years. People may not like the way he did it, but we didn't have a Ukraine war. We didn't have North Africa on fire. We didn't have this constant threatening of Taiwan. And so really what we are, as Kissinger says, we're moving very close to history's last war. And we got to remember that that war is going to be fought on American soil. You know, Americans have not had to fight on their own soil since the War of 1812. We're going to have to do that this time. I do want to talk to you about also the war in uh, Ukraine with Russia. It's still going on. You know, obviously it doesn't get nearly as much attention. The general public, when it first started, was really in horror, uh, seeing videos and pictures of Ukrainian moms and dads and children murdered in the streets, right? You saw the shootings and blood and all that, and that's kind of stopped, but this war is still going on. And every couple of weeks, you'll you'll see something that Putin has escalated this or escalated that. I think uh, a lot of us have forgotten what's going on. Is there an end in sight? Is there anything that Joe Biden is doing outside of giving Zelensky more and more money to possibly end this war, or is it business as usual in the Ukraine? Well, right now, Ukraine is engaged in its long-awaited offensive. It is making progress. It's probably slower than Ukraine hoped. Um, and this is important because um, if Russia is ends up occupying Ukrainian territory, either through some peace settlement or through exhaustion of Ukraine, then China is going to see that as a big green light to go after Taiwan, Japan, the Philippines, or the United States. So really, the future of East Asia is now being settled one way or another in Ukraine. This is in Ukraine is exceedingly dangerous. Russia has threatened to use nuclear weapons again. They said they have transferred such weapons to Belarus. And so really, this could be a widening of the war, and it could go from conventional to nuclear in a flash. This is my friend. Go ahead. You can go to Nuclear in a Flash. Gordon G. Chang on Twitter, Gordon Chang. Hey, Gordon, I want to get to North Korea, too, because it turns out, I guess, that that botched satellite launch, a very recent botched satellite launch, they're calling it their gravest failure. And they seem to be the North Koreans humiliated and embarrassed. They think people are laughing at them around the world. Is there any credence to that? Well, you know, their launch was a failure, um, no question about it. But we got to remember that, you know, the United States, as recently as 15 years ago, went through a lot of launch failures all in a row. You know, countries like North Korea learn when they have failures. 
And so they are making progress. You know, of course, they would have liked to have put a satellite in orbit, um, but, um, you know, they're going to get there because they're learning. And by the way, the Biden administration is doing nothing, doing nothing to enforce sanctions on North Korea or, more important, sanctions on China and Russia, because we cannot stop North Korea if we allow the Chinese and Russians to continue to supply technology, money and other things to the North Korean regime. The situation in Africa, you mentioned Africa earlier, continues to get worse. Uh, just from an economic standpoint, they've got power outages all over the place. I mean, they're really a mess. What is the latest right now with the relationship between the United States and Africa? Well, the United States sort of declared victory by a withdrawal from Sudan. But the point is that China and Russia together um, are fueling these insurgencies. And these insurgencies are starting to look like wars. So you have Sudan. Now, Sudan um, is important because it fronts the Red Sea, which means that China, if it's successful in Sudan, will be able to control the Suez Canal. Um, and, and really what we have is the Wagner Group, the Russian mercenaries, fueling the rapid support forces, RSF, which are creating this insurgency. Well, Russia is probably not paying for the Wagner mercenaries. In most likely, and people on the ground say this, that China is in fact paying for Wagner, which means it's China fueling these insurgencies throughout North Africa. Once you destabilize North Africa, you destabilize Western Europe because North, the five countries in the top of North Africa, they control immigration and the flows of people into Italy and Southern Europe. Gordon, let's uh, kind of wrap this up in a nice little bow and end where we started. We've been through Russia, Ukraine, North Korea, Africa. We'll go back to China. Once again, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken becomes the first Secretary of State in five years to go. He's going to meet with uh, Xi in Beijing Later on today, we both agree that tensions will kind of calm for a couple of days, and then it'll go back to where it was. So when Blinken lands back in the United States tomorrow, what's the first thing the United States does, and what's the first thing China does? Well, I think that probably the first thing that Blinken does is he postpones the Biden administration executive order, which has been long awaited which would ban American investment into Chinese AI. Chinese AI is essentially Chinese military. So I think we're going to see a whole bunch of measures that were going to be imposed actually postponed. That's the purpose of these meetings in Beijing is on China's part, is to get the United States not to do these things, which are absolutely necessary for us to protect our society. All right, there you have it. Once again, Gordon Chang, he's all over it. Nobody better. In fact, no one even close when it comes to world news, especially this very dangerous relationship between the U.S. and China. Russia, yes, but China, a heck of a lot more. He's Gordon Chang. Check him out on Twitter, Gordon G. Chang. As always, Gordon, excellent conversation. Thank you so much. You know, I think you're the best. Let's do it again very soon. Thank you so much, Sid. Gordon Chang, once again, check him out, Gordon G. Chang on Twitter. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC. All right. God save the queen, man. That's our idiot president, for some reason, at some rally, 
campaign rally in Philadelphia, he mentions the Queen, who, of course, is dead for, like, I don't know, like, a long time, like she's dead, you know? There's a king now, Dupas. He would know that because he didn't go to the coronation, but... Anyway, God save the Queen. What was that about? But he's lost. But it does go to show you how sick some of these networks are. And I'll tell you why. After Curtis Sliwa and Gordon Chang, just when you thought it couldn't get better, here he is, the editor of the National Review, Political NBC, on the show every Monday morning. My dear friend, Rich Lowry. Richard, good morning. How are you, buddy? Good. How are you? I'm okay. Have a good Father's Day. I had a lovely Father's Day. Thank you for your beautiful text. I appreciated that. It wasn't that beautiful, but it was a text. It was, no, it was lovely. <laughs> hey, at least, at least you texted me. I'm still waiting for Eric Adams to text me back. But how was your uh, Father's Day? Oh, it was very nice. It was very nice. Good. Very good. So he, uh, Biden's out there in Philadelphia. Hey, Philadelphia, unions and uh, workers, and I got you, and I love you, and, and I'm proud husband of uh, Jill Biden. I mean, shut up. <laughs> But then you have MSNBC. Dr. Joe Biden, come on. Right, doctor, right. So MSNBC this morning has on these uh, these animals, you know, they're animals, uh, the Mika and uh, Joseph and all these people. And they actually put up a uh, at the bottom of the screen, the Chiron, you know. They're talking about Biden out there in Philadelphia, and it goes, Biden's campaign starting to take shape. This, <laughs> I swear to God, starting to take shape. God save the queen. What are they talking about? What am I missing, Rich? Help me. God save the queen. I have to I have to say, I think it means something. I'm not entirely sure what it means, but right. I think it's a phrase like, you know, good luck in your senior year and these other things he says. They're kind of out of context. No one quite knows. I, I've been more disturbed by other things. But, uh, you know, we're, we're hurtling towards Trump, Biden, and uh, Biden's not exactly hurtling. He, you know, he, he's walking very stiffly toward, towards Trump, Biden. But Trump's polls are just, I mean, it looks like DeSantis actually might be, to my surprise, fading away, yes. uh, melting yes. away before yeah. before yeah. our eyes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Biden, although uh, Kennedy is going to stay at 20 or pop up maybe a little higher, no, no one's going to run against him unless he, you know, literally falls on his face. So uh, here we are. But he has fallen on his face. <laughs> He's uh, fallen he away. Has, yeah, but not, not like in a no. way that... You know, we've talked about where he needs to go to rehab facility no, or something no, like no. that. But cl- clearly, Gavin Newsom, though, is like hovering over him. I hope you're okay, sir. Is everything all right? You feeling okay today? I'm just, <laughs> just wondering. <laughs> you're right. Then he kicks him when no one's looking. Um, yeah. But but what about his campaign is taking shape? I mean, you, you, I know how badly they want to beat Trump. I know. There's actually a poll. That came out yesterday that while DeSantis at this point has virtually no chance to win the primary, I know we're still a while away. He has no chance, right? Trump would have to do something really horrendous. He's been indicted twice, impeached twice, and he's building his lead. So we know that. But there's a poll that came out yesterday that said Ron DeSantis has a better chance of beating Joe Biden than Donald Trump. That may or may not be true. Who cares? DeSantis is not going to win anyway. Yeah, I, look, I, it is it is still early. Things can happen, but um, DeSantis did his launch, and usually you want to get a, a bounce from the launch. There, there's been no bounce. There, there seems to be continued erosion. Uh, what accounts for it? I'm not entirely sure. Obviously, just Trump is the focus of attention. And where's the brag thing? 
the Bragg indictment kind of kind of went away. You know, this federal indictment is never going away. Um, you know, nothing's going to happen. There's not going to be a trial or anything before the election, but it'll just be a major focus. And it just makes Trump the, the topic of conversation. So Vivek Ramaswamy, what's his big campaign initiative last week? Saying he'll pardon Trump. You know, what's everyone else getting asked about? Will, will they, will, will they, or, uh, will they not pardon Trump? Silly. And it doesn't matter what they say. Because they're talking for Trump's purposes. Because they're talking about Trump, right? You know, and that's all that right. matters. I and, mean, Mike Pence was on with Chuck Todd. Meet the press yesterday. He asked him the same question: Will you pardon Trump? Fat Chris Christie, CNN. They're asking him the same question. It's all about Trump, and I don't know if it's because of some of the decisions he made with the books and the abortion ban down in Florida, or if it's just, hey, Trump doesn't like you, so I don't like you. But it is amazing how Ron DeSantis jumps in, and it's getting worse. Yeah, so there's there's a New Hampshire poll, and I, I don't know about the methodology and whatever of one one poll, but it had it. You know, Trump was in the 40s, and, and DeSantis was in the teens in New Hampshire, and the, the DeSantis people are saying, "Watch, you know, we're stronger in the early states." And it's not necessarily that ballot test spread that's that's most concerning. If if you're favorable to DeSantis, it was his favorable unfavorable ratings were 46 favorable, 33 unfavorable, which is not great. And and prior to this, you know, it's been 80 20 everywhere. So what's happened? You know, is it is it Trump's attacks? Is it the fact that people just don't really like DeSantis once they once they get get uh, see more of them? Or as you say, you know, if Trump doesn't like him, does that just is that just determinative for a lot of voters? But if that's if that's a fair reading of where he an accurate reading of where he is in terms of his his standing with voters, you're right. It's just almost impossible for him to win. Rich Lowry joining me as he does every Monday. Always great. So uh, I'm at the uh, the Craig Carton, Evan Roberts, WFAN Celebrity Softball Game Saturday night. Don't brag. It was great. <laughs> I had two hits and uh, two line drives to center field, mind you. And uh, Gary Perone gives me the mic, and they go out there. There's about 1,500 people there. They drew a very nice crowd, you know. And I'm uh, pumping up my show and bashing Boomer and Geo, you know, all that stuff that I do. And uh, congratulating Craig Carton on moving to Fox Sports and leaving radio and this beautiful thing he did that night for the Joseph Lemp Foundation. Joseph was a former cop hero who died in the line of duty. And at the very end, now I know I'm in Staten Island. That's my crowd. I know that. But at the very end, as I wrap it up, I scream, Trump 2024. And I'm telling you, Tiki spoke that night. Craig spoke that night. The loudest applause was right there. Trump 2020. You've informed me about something. I, 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 I'm usually just listening to WABC, as you know. But uh, you know, when it's a commercial or something, I, I flip over to the fan, and I flipped over on. Uh, Friday, and I don't listen enough to know. I know Boomer, you know, in the morning, but I don't know the afternoon guys. I know, know their voices, but I don't know their names. And one guy was complaining that something good had happened, and no one, no one he used to work with had congratulated him or hadn't. Cr- so now I know it's Greg Carton going to Fox. So I get it now. That's Craig. He's going to Fox. Yes, getting millions of dollars and leaving our radio behind. And uh, he, uh, you know, he, he got a kick out of the whole Trump thing too. Uh, Rich Lowry joining us here. This whole Hunter Biden thing. Jim Comer is out there almost every day. I bring on Nancy Mace out of South Carolina quite a bit, 17 more recordings and new bank records, and they seem to think they've got uh, Joe Biden nailed dead to right in this Hunter Biden scandal, but I haven't seen it yet. 
What are your thoughts? Yeah, got to see it. Got to see it. If these tapes exist, you know, that, that would be uh, um, consequential. But it's not clear whether they exist. If they do exist, you know, let, let's, let's hear them. The thing that makes me skeptical of the, the actual idea he took a no – Biden took a no-kidding bribe is not that I, I don't think he's corrupt. It's just I think they had a, a systematic way set up to hide their corruption, you know, through – these LLCs, this family of LLCs with anodyne names, no one would know what they what they're about, and they take the lump sum payment from someone, you know, a Chinese intelligence official in China, and then it's parceled out to the rest of the family. Why would you go around that when you, you've relied on that for years? It's serving its purpose fine, and actually say, here, I'm taking a bribe. Um, but you know, I've been surprised before, and we need to learn more. On the way out here, Rich Lowry, you're a diehard New York Yankee fan, a big baseball fan, like I'm a Met fan, and you know, the Dodgers pulled off this event on Friday night for this LBGTQ Pride Month, which is ridiculous. It should be one day, and it's enough. But they had this uh, group, these Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence out there who make fun of Jesus Christ, make fun of Catholics. It's nasty. Sexual references and, and stuff you couldn't believe. And the Dodgers, after first inviting them, then not inviting them, had him on the field on Friday night. How gross is that for the Dodgers and the commissioner, Rob Manfred? Yeah, it's disgraceful. And and the Dodgers are are a franchise with a history of being very pro Catholic. Walter O'Malley was a, a devout Catholic. They'd have nuns night, like not not drag queens pretending to be to be nuns and, and mocking us, but literal nuns day at at the stadium for years and years and years. So for this franchise to do this, for any franchise to do it, is just is just shameful. And it's really disturbing because we've seen the Bud Light reaction, right? That which you you'd think would make everyone else a little ner- more nervous about this yeah. stuff, but yep. no. And the problem is, it's easy when you're at the fridge to you look at a case of Bud Light and you're like, no, here's here's a Coors Light. That's easy. But if you're Dodgers fan, you're not going to become a Giants fan, right? right <laughs> so right, it's right. much harder to make them pay a well, price, that's a, but they, they should pay a price. They're not going. And I made this point earlier. I said, you know, when Colin Kaepernick took a knee, NFL fan, I'm, I'm done, I'm done. Mm-hmm. When Ray Rice knocked out his girlfriend in an elevator, I'm done. You know, when, when the NBA had BLM went all over the I'm done. And yeah. they're never done. Sports yeah. fans, no, I, I they're never done. I remember to you and Bernie about that. Sorry, guys. I'm watching the game Sunday. Right. <laughs> you know, so did I. I mean, I, I'm, di- I'm disgusted by all these athletes, but guess what? I love sports. I love my teams. I root for the laundry, not the individuals, and I never stop watching sports. Never. Yeah. But this, you know, this obsession with drag queens has taken over our culture. Oh, and it's okay for them to perform before kids and be featured at baseball games. Crazy. It's sick. It's perverse. I am. Well, where did it come? Like my, uh, I have a friend. She remains nameless, and she's one of our dearest, closest friends. Like love her, love her, love her. And she had a big party last Tuesday in New York City. She, by the way, is a conservative. She loves Donald Trump. She had drag queens. Now, wow. in her business which, again, remains nameless. In her business, she does do stuff with them. I get it. But when did, when did this all start? I mean, when, when did drag queens all of a sudden become cool or, or uh, you know, everyday society? When was that? Yeah, I mean, they, they become like the new clowns. It used to be yeah. you, know, you, you have some, a clown come and, and make some balloon uh, animals for your kids. Now, <laughs> now you have have some you know, trans person twerk in front of your kid. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> terrible. really is terrible. Well, listen, you, uh, you're you always great. Love having you on Monday mornings. Another fantastic appearance. Rich Lowry, have yourself a great week. My man, Rich Lowry, the editor of the National Review. That wraps up a really good 7 o'clock hour. Three great guests with Curtis Sliwa, Gordon Chang, and Rich Lowry. Still a lot more to do today. Norm's Nuggets. 
you got the brilliant attorney Alan Dershowitz coming up. One of my favorite city council people, Ina Vernikoff in Brooklyn. She's going to join us. Don't forget, folks, primaries coming up in eight days, a week from tomorrow. All these city councils have their primaries. So we'll do a lot of that over the next week. An exciting two hours on the Monday edition of Sitting Friends in the Morning. About to come your way, only right here exclusively on Talk Radio 77. W-A-B-C. Sid and friends in the morning. From our friends. 77 WABC. I can't put a light bulb in. Birthday to Ann Wilson right here from the group Heart Magic Man as we start hour number three, eight eleven on your sun drenched Monday morning here in New York City. So I did it again. Justin, let me ask you something. What's the definition of insanity? Isn't it doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result? That's right. Wow. That's exactly right. I must be awake on this right. Monday morning. Okay. So what I did was I trusted you when you put the show sheet together and you put all these quotes in about these sisters of indulgence in Los Angeles on Friday night, these grotesque people. Right. And you had Trevor Williams on the Dodgers. And I said to you before the show, I go, I don't think he's on the Dodgers. I think he's on the Nationals. And you said, well, he is now. And then I went and I've gotten about 90 messages from people yelling at me. So I checked his uh, Wikipedia. He pitched for the Pirates from 16 to 20, the Mets and Cubs in 21, the Mets again in 22, and he's already pitched in 14 games for the Washington Nationals in 23. There is not a sign of Los Angeles Dodgers anywhere near Trevor Williams' name. Mm. So I look like the a-hole. I'm getting messages. You don't know what you – now, I don't care. I'm not at the fan right now. I'm not doing a sports show. So I don't really care. In fact, I don't care about political mistakes. I just don't care. Mm. But the truth is, is that insanity, I trusted once again 
you give me the right information, and you F me all the time. All the time. Well, And then uh, you laugh like you're doing right now. No, I'm, yeah. I'm really sorry. <laughs> you are such an ass. Uh, <laughs> no, here's what actually what happened. I got him mixed up with uh, Anthony Bass from the Blue Jays, who did get cut because of his anti-LGBTQ um, not, uh, but he's on the Blue Jays. Yeah, but he got cut because of that. I so, know, but the uh, only but Dodger that spoke out was Clayton Kershaw. That's I, I understand, but I. So here's what happened: the two stories got jumbled into one in my brain, yeah. and I made a uh, an oopsie. Right, but you didn't really make an oopsie because I'm the idiot, right? That played it and, and said what I said. So. Yeah, but now we're but now see we're fixing that, and now we're live on the air. I mean, you even you even went as far as saying me. he was DFA'd by the Dodgers, and because they, this guy was from the Blue Jays, Anthony Bass from the Blue Jays, yes. not the Dodgers. Right. Yeah, I made a mistake. <laughs> Don't you think the accountability in this regard is is really what matters? That you're finally admitting now that you made a mistake? Well, I didn't realize until you brought it up. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I did like this cut from Trevor Williams, who's not a Dodger, he's a national, but he has been very outspoken, and he said now that he's been outspoken about this event on Friday night, he's going to heaven. You can't make it up. Trevor Williams, cut number 10, Lewis, number 10. It's something that I believe is truth, right? And it's something that um, this is this is Trevor the Catholic man tweeting this. Um, I what I, what I did, I believed was true, and I had to stick up for our truth. And at the end of the day, baseball is important, and it's given me a lot of tremendous opportunities. Um, it's a privilege to play this game, and I'm thankful for everyone who's given me an opportunity. Um, but when I die, hopefully in a state of grace, and St. Peter greets me at the gates, he's not going to ask what your win-loss record was in 2023. Mm-hmm. He's just going to, how did you, you know, how did you build the kingdom of heaven? Okay, he's going to heaven. That's good news. Uh, talking about baseball, I played softball this weekend. So, mind you, I showed up. I was already all beat up. I played catcher. You know, you guys are so stupid. You're like, catcher and softball is for girls. Let me tell you something. Catcher, whether it's baseball or softball, is important because if you played the field in a softball game, and every time the pitcher pitches the ball and the catcher misses it and has to run back and get the ball, it becomes impossible to play the game. And I don't miss it. And I fire it back to the pitcher, who for the most part was Evan Roberts. Craig also pitched. And I was too banged up to play the field. But I did hit and uh, had two very big hits, mind you. Big line drives to center field, knocking in a game-winning run. I actually accounted for the game-winning run when I singled to start an inning in game three. So it wasn't nearly as bad as I thought I was going to be. Good, because catcher's supposed to hit. I did hit. Yeah, Yeah. and it's an important position. I mean, no home run. Some of these guys, for example, Cody Decker, he played the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Giants. He does the Fox Sports TV show with Craig. These guys are hitting the ball way out in the outfield. I'm hitting line drives to center field, but I did well. And uh, we won two out of three games and, most importantly, raised money for the Joseph Lem Foundation. Joseph, former cop, hero, killed in the line of duty. About 1,500 people showed up on Staten Island at John Katzmatidi Stadium. Thank you, John. Home of the Ferry Hawks on Saturday night. Gary Perone did a great job, and all your favorite FAN guys, Craig Carton, Evan Roberts, Sal Licata, Brandon Tierney, Tiki Barber, even the boss, Chris Olivero, all showed up, and we all had a great time. Then had dinner after the game late, late, late Saturday night, the Cartons and the Rosenbergs at Angelina's Kitchen in the Staten Island Mall. Frank Morano says, good place, not great. And he's Mr. Staten Island, so Frank says that, you know. But we did have a great dinner last night, Jordan's Lobster House, Father's Day, the Rosenbergs, all four of us. It was really nice. Me, Danielle, Ava, and Gabe. 
and Mike Sullivan and his beautiful family, Donna, his son, Andrew, his son's girlfriend, and Brooklyn legend Jackie Hunter, all at the Jordan's Lobster House last night. I saw a beautiful picture of John, Margot, and A.J. I don't think John Jr. was around this weekend, so it was just the three of them. And I was lucky because usually Ava's never here. She goes to college in Europe. So most of my pictures throughout the year are me, Danielle, and Gabe. But Ava's home until September. So the four of us were together yesterday and meant a lot to me. And it was a beautiful day. It really was. I, I spent a lot of time thinking about my dad. You guys know he passed away. July will be three years already. I can't believe it. Feels like yesterday. I still miss him and love him desperately. And it did um, have me thinking yesterday and put things into, into perspective. You know what I did yesterday? I'll, I'll put it out there. People are like, where's Andrew Giuliani? Well, he pissed me off, to be honest with you. I thought he did something disrespectful, and he pissed me off, and I basically kicked him off. All right? And uh, the ratings don't change. It doesn't matter, folks. He's a talented kid. He's a smart kid. I like him a lot. I love his father. But he ain't making this show good or bad. doesn't matter. But I got up yesterday, and I sent him a text. And I said, happy Father's Day to a great father, Grace, something to that extent, is lucky to have you. And then he came back with an even nicer text. Said, thank you, that means the world to me. So I woke up yesterday thinking about my father with a lot of gratitude. And I decided to reach out, not just Andrew, but other folks that I hadn't talked to in quite some time. And wish them a happy Father's Uh Day. And I felt great. Not that guy. Oh, not that guy. Okay. No, I just, couldn't give I, a rat's ass if his Father's Day sucked. Just, it wouldn't bother me just a little. Just that went, a-hole. I just went, uh-oh, yeah. I wanted to see who's going to be I do draw list. the line somewhere. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. But, you know, walls, yeah. all that walls. That jerk off. Down. Okay. Oh, hey, yeah. Well, but I did wake up with a lot of gratitude yesterday. I wanted to send you two guys happy Father's Day, but We're, you don't have kids. Right. I'm not no, a dad. No, I, I celebrated that, actually. I know. Did I send you a text? <laughs> You sent Yavs of his unbelievable text. Did I really? No. Oh, oh wow. Oh, damn, I missed Noam. But I got one from Chad Lopez, a very nice text from Chad Lopez. Well, he's more important anyway. He's, he, you know, he's your boss. He, yeah. he pays you. Wow, that's really crazy. Did you really? I did, yeah. Yeah, I did too. Okay, good. Chad is very nice. He's that's, a great guy. No, that's good. Just a surprise. That's Why? Father's Day. He's a great father, I Chad. I understand. Everybody's busy. That's, no. what I'm, that's what I'm getting at. No, people were very, very... The only people that did not return my Father's Day text yesterday was the mayor, who uh, week by week I'm, I'm growing increasingly tired of. You know, I, I tried, and he was nice. We had a couple of nice dinners together. He said all the right things. But, for example, my driver every morning, my uh, Gene, you know, he's African-American. He hates Adam's. And he said to me this morning, he said, I got to tell you, as bad as Bill de Blasio was, and everybody's quick to say he was the worst mayor ever, he goes, and he's a black guy, he goes, I think Adams is worse because Adams comes out like he's the greatest thing ever. He tells you, God put me here for this. God did this. You need me. And then like 90 people get killed on the subway this weekend, you know. So according to Gene, my African-American ride every morning, Adams is worse than de Blasio. So he did not return my Father's Day text. So should I be angry, Noam, or just kind of let it go? Uh, well, first of all, I think Gene might be sniffing a little glue. He forgets how bad Bill de Blasio was. 
No. <laughs> I don't oh, but, 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 but the Blasio. Did you say that already, that he's worse than Bill de Blasio? Well, I, Eight but, years we had Bill de Blasio. I know that, but Adams arrives on the scene like he's going to fix it overnight, and it's not a, it is better somewhat, but not a heck of a lot better. Yeah, I don't you know, know, it's one thing when, you, you know, de Blasio, I don't remember Bill de Blasio saying I'm the greatest mayor ever, or God sent me here. He won because New Yorkers are stupid and lazy and nobody votes, but he wasn't like Adams. Adams tells you, oh, I'm saving you. I'm safe unless, of course, you're on the J train. Then you're going to die. Sorry. Did de Blasio do that? I don't remember. I was in Boca. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, this is what we're doing now, though. Like, wait a second. He was worse than this guy. Yeah, it's like sports. Yeah, sports. The phrase, wow, this is so great. I have never been happier with a mayor like this. When's the last time you said that? Uh, what is the last? Giuliani. Rudy, Rudy. Yeah. Oh, I liked, uh, now I've forgotten already. I like Koch. He was before. Yeah. So Rudy. Right. Yeah, but who's the last? Oh, I didn't mind. I like Bloomberg the first uh, couple of, like then he Bloomberg went crazy too. with uh, the third uh, time around, but I like Bloomberg. Yeah, but, but the fact is you're arguing over the last two guys <laughs> who, well, remember how bad he yeah, was, yeah. and then he let this happen with the cops. Now, but he's not as bad as this Bob, guy. But it's been 10 years of horror. It's horrible. Eight years under the Blasio, almost two years of Adams, 10 years of horror. Again, I lived in Boca for a while. Can you imagine? My mayor was fine. Imagine this man. Instead of these two, we could have Lee Zeldin and Curtis I know. running I New know. York. Can you imagine that? That would have been unbelievable. Unbelievable. I, know. I thought of that. Like, God. how great would that be? That is, it, Lee Zeldin and, and Curtis. Curtis. That's what, get what you want. And years ago, you could have had Bowen instead of uh, de Blasio. Nicole Maliotakis also ran against de Blasio. But um, this is what we're stuck with. New Yorkers don't care. I mean, New Yorkers voted in Alvin Bragg yeah. as their DA. They voted in, you know, like you said, Zeldin, Kathy Hochul, who was just absolutely oh. Oh, atro- the worst. Atrocious. Atrocious. Oh, just a mess. Oh. She may be more corrupt than Cuomo. She's not a murderer like Andrew Cuomo is, but she may be more corrupt. She barely recognizes this. She doesn't even know what's going on here. Let's do the same game like the Blasio Adams. Who's worse, Hochul or Cuomo? Cuomo killed people. Hard to get past that. 18,000. Yeah, That's but, a lot. But this, That's more than Charles Manson. But the, the game is ridiculous. Like, oh, no, I'd rather have Hitler than Stalin. No, I get it. No. <laughs> I know. Would you rather have herpes or AIDS? Yeah. I get it. Yeah. 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 Would I rather have, I'd rather have the surgery uh, down here than... Uh, it's stupid. Why? It's New York. It's New York. I get Why it. are we stuck with all of these buffoons? I know. There's got to be better people, right? Don't you hear all the time... When they say it's going to be Biden versus Trump, and I love Trump, I'm on record a million times, it's annoying already. But have you not heard a million times from friends and family, you're telling me in a country with hundreds of millions of people this that the it. two best we've got are Biden and Trump? No, just, yeah, have I've you heard it. that a million times? I've said it to you I know you've a number said of it, times. Yes. I don't understand it. Where is everybody? Because nobody wants to do these jobs. That's they're right. thankless. Yeah, they're awful. They, you don't get any support, help. Right. And you, you turn out to be, every, every one of these people turns out to be corrupt because they, they get the money. It's all about money. They don't, they start off, I really believe they all start off, I swear, with good intentions. They really want to fix stuff. And then all they want to do is hang out with rich people and get paid. Eric Adams. I think Eric really wanted to fix the city. Really, for real. But now, you know, he's got places to go, he's got things to do. He doesn't have time. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't have time to fix the city. 
Gotta go to the bank two or three times a day. <laughs> I am the fashionable mayor of this city, and I have been chosen by God to do the work. See, that's the problem, though. When you start saying stuff like that, you do make the Blasio look better. When God has chosen you to fix the city and it's not fixed, you have to admit, no, that becomes, uh. I don't know, eight years of covering Bill de Blasio. No, I know, he was, it was horrendous. A really I know. Long eight years. Hey, look, not just him, but his thieving wife. <laughs> yeah. Where's that billion and a half dollars, Charlene? Yeah. yeah. I mean, my God. And all he could ever say is, we got pre K coming to anybody who's three or four. The city's coming back. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. It's a mess. It's a mess. And he wouldn't go to Yankee Stadium? Right? I know. Well, he's a Red Sox fan. Yeah, but such nonsense, though. You're a New Yorker. No, I, I, I agree with 100%. Not good. I'll pick Stalin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. Good run of guests coming your way. Norm's Nuggets. The brilliant attorney, Alan Dershowitz. And running for city council now eight days away in Brooklyn. My friend, Inna Vernikov. Keep it right here, folks. The Monday edition of your favorite talk show in New York. That's me, Sid Rosenberg, exclusively right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Friends in the morning. 77 WABC. And my kids, they don't help either. The other day I told my kid, I said, someday you'll have children of your own. He said, so will you. <laughs> Real smart kid I got. The other day I told him about the birds and the bees. He told me about my wife and a butcher. <laughs> I tell you, I can't relax. My kid drives me nuts. The other day I told him, I said, you're young. You don't have it upstairs. He told me I'm old. I don't have it downstairs. <laughs> Oh, I tell you, I can't take it no more. But this afternoon, I said to my little girl, I says, when you grow up, what do you want to be? She looked at my wife. She said, single. <laughs> well, the other day, I called my house. My boy answered the phone. I said to him, let me talk to mommy. I heard the kid say, mommy, it's daddy. Are you home? <laughs> I don't got no respect from anyone. Well, last Christmas, my kid wanted a BB gun. I gave him a BB gun. He gave me a sweatshirt with a bullseye in the back. <laughs> And my kids, they flip a coin and see who has to kiss me goodnight. <laughs> I, tell you, I tell you, last week was a rough week for me last week. I saw my kid and a milkman going to a father and son dinner. <laughs> I tell you, my kid, he drives me nuts where he put crazy glue in my preparation H. <laughs> I tell you what's more important than looks is love. You've got to have love. Love is and important. I've got plenty of love in me, Johnny. That's plenty of love. I love thing. a lot of things. Love. I love sports. I love music. And right. one of my kids. <laughs> Morgan's on a flight, Mr. Peelers Borders to Los Angeles, and he texted me, you love that last segment. Well, thank you, Peter. 
little Rodney Dangerfield for you, day after Father's Day, talking about his kids. Rodney was great, man. If we just did Adams de Blasio, Hoko Cuomo, <laughs> here we go again, Lou. Let no. me give you no, Dangerfield <laughs> Pryor. Rodney Dangerfield. All right. Uh, Richard I'm too Pryor young. did not make me laugh. Okay, he made me laugh. Okay. I'm too young to remember Lenny Bruce. Are you? No, I'm too young. I was, right. I was Forget about Lenny Bruce. 60s. No, that All right. Was... How about Dangerfield? Uh, we'll go modern. Dangerfield Chappelle. Rodney. Rodney, right? Yeah. Yeah. Can you say that or is that racist? I just said it. Yeah, F him. <laughs> I'm just going on. I think Rodney's my favorite, too, of all time. Like, I, I mean, Seinfeld makes me laugh. He does. His stand-up is, is outrageous. Oh, right. it's hilarious. Yeah. I can't uh, think of anybody Chris, else. Chris Rock. Oh, Chris Rock kills me. Yeah. There, uh, although when he, when he talks politics, he's a moron because he's a liberal. Although every now and then, what he does is he attacks his last Netflix special. He spent most of that time attacking the woke culture. It was great. And I was a step. Okay, so let me give it to you. Dangerfield Rock. <laughs> Tough. Tough. I, I think Dangerfield Eddie Murphy is more like it. Oh, that's a, oh, that's a good one, too. I, I, now, I never laugh more than Raw and Delirious. Never. And Bunny's falling down the stairs. That's brilliant comedy. I'll give you a, a, an older one. Don Rickles. Oh, oh, oh that's tough. <laughs> See, they're all dead, though. Even Eddie Murphy. I mean, he's alive, but he's dead. Well, they were funny. I know. <laughs> okay, they were... Is anybody besides Chappelle? I mean, I know these comedy clubs, and they like Bill Burr. He's fine. He's good. But is there any, like, like the people tell me who the comics are, I say, I never heard of these people. I don't know. Like, I, Artie Lang, is he still doing it even? I don't even know. Well, Dan Aykroyd still does. He doesn't do comedy. Dan Aykroyd? Anymore. He's alive. At least. He's not a comedy. Yeah, uh... Dan Aykroyd? No. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd? <laughs> are you thinking of the right person? I think so. No, I don't think you are. Dan Aykroyd? I don't think so. What are you so. talking about? No, but he was still a comedian. Oh, he was a comedian. He was in funny I'm, movies. I guess, yeah, okay, fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Good job out of you, Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> I stand by. Talk about funnier, the great comedians of all time. How about that, Dan Aykroyd? Funnier as Dr. Vekman. You, know you know what is true, though? It's very hard to find a really, and this is when I'm going to get in oh. trouble, and I'm ready for it. Give me five funny women. Because I got to tell you, so well, Joan Rivers was brilliant. She was great. I saw her at Kutcher's. I loved her. Yeah, she was great. But, like, how about the uh, the Chinese lesbian? What's her name? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what Margaret Cho. Yeah. Margaret Cho's not bad. Uh, what about um, Rosie? Jimmy Kimmel's uh, ex. Oh, she was Silver. Sarah oh, Silverman. She's funny. Sarah, yeah. Okay. She's all right. She, Sarah Silverman, yeah. Yeah, because she insulted her. But a lot women of just aren't slavery. funny like men. Men are funnier. The fat one is good, too. The modern fat one, Melissa McCarthy. No, no way. You don't think so? No. 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 And she's annoying. Oh, and those are advertisements. Uh, I think she's real. Bridesmaids, she's hilarious. Right? She was funny in that, but that's a movie. <laughs> That's what you in the movies. We're not talking about Dan Aykroyd. We're not talking about Blues Brothers. We're talking about comics. Don Rickles sat on the Right. I mean, I know Rodney was great in Back to the School, and he was great in Caddyshack. Yeah. I mean, think about that cast for a second. Ted Knight, Chevy Chase, Rodney Dangerfield, and I know I'm missing one. Another brilliant comedic actor, Bill Murray. Yeah. That's psycho. I know. What do you got today, brother? 
I got this wacky story that we're still trying to get our head around on Long Island. His, this guy, a Kevin Sabella Jr., he's 63 years old. He's running for the Babylon Town Council. He's got a sign on his front lawn. And the uh, bus driver who passes his house every day says the exact same time she passes his house every day, he's standing in the screen door naked, no clothes on. Here's Victoria Lombardi, the bus driver. I thought it was, like, disgusting once I realized that he was doing it intentionally. just thought he was, like, really creepy and gross. He would make eye contacts. So I kind of knew it was on purpose at that point. It'd be intentional because I would see him also like waiting in his window for me to like pull down onto the block. And she caught a picture of him. So there he is standing in the screen door, no clothes on. He's a local financial advisor. He's a member of the Knights of Columbus. He's a regular churchgoer. Neighbors say this doesn't fit his behavior at all. It's horrendous. There's a lot of kids in the neighborhood. So, you know, very, very scary. You know, with kids playing in the street and stuff like that. Does this story change if the guy was like me, good looking, good body? Does the story change? Or because no, it's I mean, it's this, still gross. This woman, the bus okay. driver, comes down the street every day at eight ten. She saw <laughs> she, he would turn the corner. <laughs> what? Like what? what? Yes. Good looking, good body. Right. <laughs> Just perfectly chiseled. <laughs> Maybe yeah, because the bus driver doesn't complain, and the bus driver's like, hey. Maybe she votes for him. Right. Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> you, you say it. I'm just dropping up an example. I know, it's right. funny how you just say it, and it doesn't even affect you. I know, you and he goes it. right past and, it. And, right. No one's yeah. just answering you. Uh, uh, well, sorry. let me tell you, Sid. Uh, yeah, not like you, no. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. That's no, all right. Yeah. So, Sabella, um, you know, is still running. And um, some voters in town say, like, you know, what is he thinking? He definitely won't get my vote. That's for sure. It's shocking and it's scary. It's very inappropriate. And he very clearly knew what he was doing. My concern would be that if he would ever get be uh, elected uh, to the town board, I don't know what we would be able to trust him with. <laughs> yeah, right. So I said, let me figure out what the hell's going on with this guy. So let me call him. So I get on the phone and I call him. I guess he was intimidated maybe, by my name. Maybe he was getting dressed. <laughs> 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 so we talked over the Republican leaders out on the island, and they say, you know, no longer endorsing this guy. We don't want him to win. Right. But he's still he's still on the ballot today. Right. He hasn't been naked in a while. <laughs> but it was 10 days in a row that he was naked for this bus driver. The bus driver said she'd see him looking out a different window of his house. Then when she turned the corner, it was like he ran over to the front door and took off all of his clothes. So <laughs> it was, I guess, for her. She, <laughs> if it had been you, she yeah. would have been impressed. But she wasn't impressed because it was a 63-year-old guy. So, well, well, what's worse, this guy getting naked when the bus driver shows up or George Santos? Uh, yeah. They're both on Long Island. Long Island's a bunch of freaks. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Corey Zelnick checks in. He says Richard Pryor is funnier. And then somebody else checks in and says one funny female we forgot Lisa Lampanelli, who you know retired, she tried to be like Don Rickles. She was the female Don Rickles. But she woke up one morning and said, I don't, I don't want to be nasty to people anymore. So now she's like a life coach. She gave up uh, comedy. I she think, was funny. Yeah, she's funny. I got to think of those women who are on the roasts, the recent ones, the Comedy Central. Well, what do you think about couple... uh, Ross? He's the roast master. Yeah, you like him? Hilarious. You like him, though? Hilarious. Yeah, yeah, he's hilarious. Yeah. 
<laughs> he used to work with uh, Ralphie May. He was like 800 pounds, but yeah. he's dead. Yeah. He was like the fat guy, the other fat guy who died. He used to go to the uh, Chinese buffet. You here for four hours. Four hours. <laughs> Fantastic comedy. As soon as they start turning around looking at the other panel and they just start to, oh, uh, you know, Shaq is here. And then they, when you know something funny is going to happen, yeah. that's when I yeah. start cr- laughing. Ralph Napolitano <laughs> checks in. He says, you know who's funnier than all these women? Naomi. I like that, Ralphie. Nice. My mother, Naomi. That's catch true. Her, catch her yeah, she's going to be on this week, actually. She's very upset. <laughs> to quote Marty Dangerfield and back to school, I don't know about what, but she's very upset. <laughs> I can only imagine. <laughs> I know. It's a rough couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to talk to uh, the brilliant attorney, Alan Dershowitz. We're going to talk to Brooklyn Councilwoman Inna Vernikoff. She's got a brick primary coming up next Tuesday. Entertaining and informative. This is sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. You write in the Wall Street Journal, Trump did what he always does. He attacked Jack Smith and resisted his efforts. So you would know firsthand, can he be a difficult client? He'd be a difficult client, but being a difficult client doesn't mean that you should be prosecuted for a crime when you're running for president against the incumbent president. Mm -hmm. There has to be the strongest possible case to justify that. I call it the Nixon standard. Uh, In Nixon's case, he destroyed evidence, he bribed witnesses, and Republicans and Democrats alike wanted him to be removed from office. Mm -hmm. That standard hasn't been met here. And in order to prosecute somebody who's running for president against the incumbent, it has to be not only slam dunk, but it has to be something that's just inescapable. And I think the country would have been better off if he had not been uh, prosecuted, even though clearly by his own admissions, he did possess classified material. Right. Also, nobody should mention the word espionage here in court or out of court. This is not an espionage case. He didn't sell to enemies. He didn't hurt the national security. This is a documents case. And the right. question is, should you bring a documents case, even if it's a, a strong documents case, and interfere with the election in this way? I think that's a, a hard, hard question. Now, of course, that was our friend Alan Dershowitz. He's set to join us momentarily with Howard Kurtz over the weekend. What is the Brooklyn significance of this song, Lewis? Well, the band is from Brooklyn. Are these the Beastie Boys? Yes. Ah, see, now it's Joseph Takapina and Dershowitz get the Beastie Boys. We know Alan's got to be a big <laughs> Yeah, he's a huge fan. Now, listen, Alan Dershowitz, everything Brooklyn. You know, one of the things I love most about living in Bell Harbor and Rockaway by you, Lewis, is that I go right over the Marine Park Bridge. It's called the Gil Hodges Bridge now. And I'm in Brooklyn. I get to Michael's Restaurant in 15 minutes. I get to Brennan and Carr in 15 minutes. I get to Buckley's, my old address, 2216 Quentin Road, Madison High School, and you see 15 the great, minutes. The great signs that say, forget about forget it. Forget about You're it. Stupid. That's a stupid <laughs> sign. Anyway, here he is, the brilliant constitutional attorney, and he's on the show all the time now. We're lucky to get Takapina, Idala, and Alan Dershowitz weekly. My dear friend Alan Dershowitz, good Monday morning, Alan. 
Good morning. I'm so glad they renamed the bridge the Gil Hodges Bridge. Gil was my favorite guy. You know, we used to bike and find his house. We knew where he lived. We never saw him, but we knew where we lived. And we would go and pay homage to his house. I think it was in Bensonhurst in Brooklyn. Remember in those days, the Brooklyn Dodgers were working bums. They were making fourteen, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 a year. They were taking the train to work. I went to high school four blocks away from Evans Field. And we knew the train stops that call Ferrillo and Gil Hodges and Pee Wee Reese, not Jackie Robinson. He had to come with special car because he had security needs. Sure. But the other Dodgers would take, you know, get off on Nostrand Avenue, get off at Bedford Avenue, and we would try to meet them and walk with them to Ebbets Field. Those were the days. Oh, those were the days. And it was really was disgusting that it took baseball so long and eventually it became the, the commissioner, the you know, the, the writers, not the actual voting group that got Gil Hodges, who had multiple 100 RBI seasons with the uh, Dodgers. And then, of course, he managed runs. right. He managed the four Mets to the World the Series. Yes. Four home runs in a game. I'll never forget, I got a phone call when I was starting out as a kid professor. Hey, this is Carl Farillo. Carl Farillo, oh, my God, you're calling me. Yeah, he was working at the World Trade Center as an elevator repair guy. They had tossed him off the Brooklyn Dodgers just a few months before he was 15 years, and he wasn't getting his full pension. And he asked me if I would take his case. Wow. My God, my God, call Ferrillo asking me to take his case. Unfortunately, I couldn't do anything about it. You know, the Dodgers uh, said, no, yeah, no, no, yeah. he didn't work 15 years, you know, and so he yeah. didn't get his full pension. Well, talking about they the Dodgers, we, we yeah. do ask you a Brooklyn trivia question. Every time you come on, because you and I have that Brooklyn passion in common. So we'll keep it to the Dodgers here, Dersh, before we get to Donald Trump and Daniel Penny and all that stuff. Who was the last, Alan Dershowitz, the last Brooklyn Dodger to win the MVP? Oh, the MVP. So that would be 55 or 56. I'll give you a hint. This guy won the MVP and the Cy Young in the same year. Oh, Sandy, no, it wouldn't, it wouldn't nope. be. Brooklyn Dodger wouldn't be Sandy Koufax. So nope. it would be Paul Erskine, maybe? Nope. No, no, I give up. You give up? Don Newcomb, 1956. Of course. You know, people forget that Don Newcomb was not only a great pitcher, he was a pinch hitter. I think he batted like 285, <laughs> and they would put him in as a pinch yeah. hitter sometimes. Yeah. He was so all around. He also one day pitched the first game of a no of a doubleheader, and then he started the second game. I mean, the guy was 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 a giant. Uh, he wasn't a giant. He was the Dodger, but he was yeah. a great, great. Oh, listen, great I, those I were the days. Missed that. Yeah, I'll never forgive myself for missing. You know, to have pitcher the MVP is not so common. So, right. Uh, well, yeah. actually, only eleven guys have won the MVP and the Cy Young in the same season. And Don wow. Newcomb is uh, one of those guys. By the way, this is why Alan is on Fox News, Newsmax, every radio show across America. But this is why this is his favorite, because we talk Brooklyn every time. Hey, let's well, get... You know, I bought, I, wait, before we get to the Trump, I recently bought on an auction a great photograph. The photograph of Sandy Koufax striking out Willie Mays, and wow. they and both of them autographed it. Wow. And so I have... And it's just a wonderful picture of Sandy and his stretch motion. You know, Sandy lived on my block he lived on 48th street between he was between 14th and 15th i was 15th and 16th his father irving kofax had a small law office in his apartment uh near temple bethel in new york and so 
you know, we would see him, and he went to Temple Emanuel, the synagogue, the conservative synagogue. So, of course, we didn't go there because we wouldn't go. My parents wouldn't let me go near a conservative synagogue. Are you kidding? <laughs> but uh, we saw Sandy Koufax there, and, you know, he was fantastic. You know, I'm going to stick with this for one second because here's Sandy Koufax, great Dodger, and, of course, uh, didn't pitch on Yom Kippur, which you and I love, Rosh Hashanah. But I don't know if you know about this, but the current-day Dodgers hosted the Giants on Friday night. And they had this group out there. They're called the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. And they uh, they were actually uh, honoring LGBTQ Pride Month with this group, you know. And they're a bunch of drag queens. And what they do, Alan, is they make a mockery of Catholicism. They hate the Catholics. Oh, they they oh, make fun of terrible. Jesus. They do skits oh, with terrible. sex. That's yeah, terrible. that's the Dodgers. The, mo- the Dodgers, terrible. Alan. No, they shouldn't do that. They shouldn't do that. Look. You don't make fun of people's faith. Uh, and that's one of the first rules I grew up with when I was a kid. You don't make up. You don't uh, mock them. You don't attack them. They have their faith. You have your faith. That's America. George Washington wrote that all faiths in America are equal. And, uh, you know, the first time Washington, he was the first president ever to declare Jews, Catholics, and others equal in America it was one of the greatest contributions America made to the world, the world that was totally divided along religious lines. And he said, in America, everybody's equal. Uh, I love that. So you did say uh, on this program not that long ago, now we'll get to Trump, and I played you and Kurtz. You said, in your 60 years of practicing law, you never saw a weaker indictment than the one here in New York with Alvin Bragg. But then I just heard you with Kurtz, and even though we both admit that this indictment really isn't weak, it's a federal indictment, they seem to get him on obstruction, maybe, maybe not, we'll see, but something juicier than the first one, you did say, folks, this is not espionage, and really, they shouldn't have done this. You still feel that way. I do. I have an art and up in today's uh, New York Post uh, with Andy Stein about how the words espionage should never be used in this case. He didn't hurt the national security. It's a documents case. If he were, you know, running for, for, for Congress or something, all right, I can see that. But running for president of the United States against the incumbent who appoints the attorney general, you have to have the strongest case imaginable, like they had against Richard Nixon. And he wasn't even running for office. You know, he was the president. He was being removed. But to to indict the man who threatens to unseat your incumbent president, it has to be the strongest case. And I just don't think this case meets the Richard Nixon standard. And and, and does it meet the Hillary Clinton standard, the Joe Biden standard, the Sandy Berger standard, the the the, you know, Pence standard? Uh, what should have happened, and I, I'm very critical that it didn't, they should have appointed a special counsel not to investigate Trump, but to investigate the problem of former government officials taking classified material home with them. Give them a broad mandate. Look at all the people who have had this problem and then make a recommendation. But when you appoint a special counsel, special prosecutor, with somebody targeted, with a target on his back, you know, to a hammer, Everything's a nail. And to a special prosecutor, every bit of evidence is directed against the person who you're targeting. That's not the right way to do it. You know, it's funny when you listen to liberals talk about Jack Smith, they they talk about him in glowing terms. And the same was true for Robert Mueller. And then you look at the the track record for Jack Smith. You look at John Edwards, North Carolina. He's one of a, a bunch of names where this guy, Jack Smith, fell miserably short so you have to wonder why 
you know, the, he's talked about, like I said, in glowing terms by the liberals, and he was the guy they went to. He does not have a great track record, Alan. Well, you know, <clears throat> people who know him tell me he's an honorable guy. He went off to The Hague to prosecute war criminals. I don't want to attack Jack Smith personally. I want to attack the concept of a special counsel with a named target. That's not the right way to go. That's, you know, this is not Soviet Union, but it's reminiscent of Beria and Stalin. Beria, Mm. the head of the KGB, telling Stalin, show me the man and I'll find you the crime. Special counsel, they show the man. Now, some special counsel... Don't find the crime, but too many do, and they don't do it in a comparative way. And then Smith gets on, and this is this wins the Chutzpah Award. He gets this <laughs> press conference, and he says, in America, we have one rule, and it applies equally to all. How does he know? He didn't investigate the other cases. He only investigated the Trump case. And having investigated only the Trump case, how can he say Funny. that there's one law that applies equally to all? That's a good point. I like that. One uh, thing on this Daniel Penny case, uh, uh, as I'm close with you and Takapina and Idala, I'm also very, very good friends with Thomas Knipp. He happens to be, along with Stephen Razor, Daniel Penny's attorney. And he was on twice last week, actually, the indictment on the day after. And the one question that people have raised, including my own wife, beautiful Danielle, she's an attorney, and my friend at dinner last night at Father's Day was, why didn't Kniff and Razor uh, have Danielle Petty uh, testify before the grand jury, before they went ahead and indicted him? We know he's a great speaker. He's articulate. He made those videos three days before the indictment. Why didn't they make that a possibility before they actually brought on the arraignment? What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, because I think a lot of lawyers are experienced and they know that Judge Wachler was correct when he said, a grand jury can be persuaded by the prosecutor to indict a ham sandwich. And you may be wasting an opportunity when you testify in front of the grand jury, because then your testimony at trial, if he testifies at trial, and I bet you he will testify at trial, uh, has to be completely consistent with what you said in the grand jury. And, you know, more evidence can arise. Look, in the Petty case, what he did initially, grabbing the guy, stopping him from harassing, was 100% right. He should have gotten a medal for that. Then you get to the issue, what about grabbing him around the neck? Look, the guy was a Marine. He's trained. Uh, did he have the mens rea? Did he have the, 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 the mental element necessary to elevate this to, to a crime, to manslaughter? Look, there's a concept in law called lenity, and that is when the evidence of the law can go both ways, you always, always incline it in favor of the defendant. And the concept of lenity in this case should have resulted in no prosecution, in my view. Totally agree. And let's be honest, if he would have uh, even testified before the grand jury, they, they still would have brought the charges anyway, right? It wasn't like Knipplow an opportunity to have this thing not seen. No matter what, they were going to do this, right? I think that's right. And I would never second guess a lawyer who knows more about the facts and more about the evidence than any of us does. And uh, I hope he has great lawyers, and you tell me he does, and that's yeah, good. He does. Because this is an important case. This is not the Bernard Getz case. You know, Bernard Getz went on the train with a gun looking for trouble. Uh, this is a guy who's just going about his business, doing exactly what I would hope anybody would do, and that is stop somebody from harassing. Right. Now, you know, he didn't know that the guy had this horrible criminal record where he almost killed an elderly woman. And one of the interesting issues in the case is going to be whether 
the jury learns about that. Did the grand jury learn about that? Did the prosecutor tell the grand jury that this guy had previously almost killed a woman by bashing her head in with his bare hands? Did the grand jury know that? Should the grand jury know that? Should the petty jury know that? If I were teaching criminal law, again, at Harvard, as I did for 50 years, this would be one of the cases that I would be considering. I have I had cases like this over the years, and generally um, I've won them. Yeah. Um, so let's see what happens. Let's see what happens here. Let's see what happens with Donald Trump. By the way, if you want to know about all the other Donald Trump investigations that are going on, you know, read my book, Get Trump, because in Get Trump, I go over every one of the cases, not only the New York and the Florida case, but the Georgia case and the D.C. case. And I show how weak each of them is. And, you know, I'm not a Trump supporter. I voted for Hillary Clinton and I voted for Joe Biden. And I'm planning to vote for the Democrat if the Democrat is any good. We'll see. But uh, I am a supporter of the Constitution, no matter who is being prosecuted. Oh, go by get Trump. Seriously. I know you're going to say, well, Alan wrote the book. It's his own book. Trust me, I didn't write the book. It is an amazing book. It's actually, he's like, uh, he's like a suicide. Like he knew it, like Nostradamus. He knew all this stuff was going to happen, and it did happen. It's a great book, Get Trump. On the way out, I'm making plans now, uh, Alan, to go see my mother. She's up uh, by Monticello, Conneonga Lake, White Lake, a lovely area. You know, upstate New York. You know that area. Believe me, I know that area. I got into a lot of trouble as a teenager uh, in the Catskill Mountains in Greenfield Park in yep. Liberty. Yep. I went to a Camp Maple Lake in, uh, in uh, Livingston Manor, New York. And there you we go. would go all over the Catskill. So you know it well, but I'm thinking as I'm making my plans to go see my mom, is Alan Dershowitz going to be spending time this summer in his summer getaway with his good buddy Larry David in Martha's Vineyard? But since I started fighting with you and your wife, do you go back there? I see I'm there right now. You are? I'm standing on my deck at Martha's Vineyard. People leave me alone. Nobody talks to me. Somebody had dinner with me the other night, and he got three phone calls after having dinner with me. Don't you ever have dinner with Dershowitz again. If we ever see you having dinner with Dershowitz again, we'll stop inviting you to our party. And Caroline Kennedy sits next to me one day at a dinner party and says, if I knew you were coming, I wouldn't have accepted the invitation. Wow. You defended Donald Trump. I said, Caroline, I also defended a man accused of murder on Martha's Vineyard. His name was Ted Kennedy. He was your <laughs> uncle. You didn't sit, avoid me then. You loved me when I defended Ted oh Kennedy God. on Martha's Vineyard. Wow. You can't stand the fact that I defended Donald Trump. Wow. I didn't know you did that in the Mary Jo Kopechny case, huh? That's how I got to Martha's Vineyard the first time ever. It was the day a man landed on the moon, and I got a call from Ted Kennedy's chief of staff saying, you've got to come to the vineyard. I didn't, I didn't know the vineyard. I didn't know anything. I was on Fire Island with my family at the time. I had to take a bus to the train, the train to the ferry. Look at this. Eight hours. Yeah, yeah. I finally got here, and I was part of the defense wow. team. Wow. You've uh, had quite a run here. Ted Kennedy, O.J. Simpson, <laughs> Trump, and others. Hey, I love you, Alan. You're a great, great guest and a super guy, and I love you, and Brooklyn loves you. We'll do it again very, very soon. Thank you. Looking forward. Thank you. Thank you. The great Alan Dershowitz. That's like uh, he's become uh, like like a favorite interview. Like I love talking to him. We talk Brooklyn, his career. My God, think about those cases. That Kennedy thing is hilarious. Isn't that unbelievable? I represented your uncle. You were fine with that, and he killed that girl. I didn't kill her, but he let her die.
Uh, those are uh, details that we do not need to get into at the moment, uh, uh, Sid. Uh, you are you're still one of my favorite hosts. Well, thank so let's, you. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, thank for you. the love of the country, yeah. let's move on. I'm trying to get your nephew on, Ted uh, RFK Jr., but um, that hasn't worked out. We're going to make that happen. We, uh, we well, can make on, that happen. And he's yes. on the Cat Roundtable, and he's on the 5 p.m. show every day. Every day, so. yeah. We're going to get him here, okay, Ted? So uh, let, let us go forth and... Uh, <laughs> Put the word out that uh, my nephew will be there. We will get him. The great cats will make that happen. Uh, Justin, please uh, observe my silence. Thank you. <laughs> Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. I never knew. I never knew that everything was falling through That everyone I knew was waiting on a cue To turn and run when all I needed was the truth But that's how it's gotta be It's coming down to nothing more than apathy I'd rather run the other way than stay and see One of my favorite bands, The Fray, over my head, 913 on your Monday morning. Got um, Arthur Turovitz coming up later this segment. He'll wrap up a weekend in sports, NBA trade, big NBA rumored trade, and, of course, the U.S. Open. The next segment, we'll talk to my friend Inna Vernikov, councilwoman out of Brooklyn. Everybody loves Inna. Everybody loves her. So is she going to run in the primary? Well, the primaries, of course, take place a week from tomorrow. It's a big deal. You know, I say it's a big deal, but I work out at the Y, you know, in uh, Rockaway. It's nice, Jim. Very nice. And the people there are lovely. Sebastian, D. they all work there. They're great people. They've got a sign over the pool, Black Lives Matter. It's gross, but it is what it is. I almost didn't join because of that. But I'm happy I did join. I love it there. It's a great gym. New equipment and nice people. Chris works out there. I like him and, and others. So... Downstairs, they've got a room where people vote, all the elections, governor, mayor, you name it. So they started with the um, the voting, the open voting for city council. A few of the districts, I don't know which ones they are, but it started a couple of days ago because now you can start to vote 10 days in advance. This is city council, folks, not president, not governor, not mayor, city council. So I've been to the gym twice over the last three days. Friday I was there and Saturday. I didn't go yesterday. So No, excuse me. Friday and Sunday. I did go yesterday. And here's what I've noticed. No one's there. Nobody. Again, I've seen other elections. I lived in Rockaway last year. So the gubernatorial races, for example, Zeldin, Hochul, and there were people there voting all the time. I have not seen a person two days at the gym. They've got 20 people working in there. Nobody's Nobody's walking in to vote. Nobody. So the primaries. So I was talking to Frank Morano about it this morning, and he's right. Like, you know, you got to do it maybe three days 
three or four days before the primary next Tuesday, open up the voting. They do it 10 days before. There's nobody there. And guess who pays for all that? Those people to sit there and pick their ass all day. You and I. No one's showing up. Why is that open? 10 days. What? Why? <laughs> okay, that's a stupid question. Yeah, why? Yeah. I mean, if you stop an average person in Rockaway, they can't even tell you who's running. Absolutely not. We're the only geeks that follow this stuff. Now, it's important, and these people do make decisions that affect you. I mean, we spend an awful lot of time talking about the mayor, Eric Adams. He's almost rendered powerless because of the, the council members at times, at times. So they're important races. I don't want to minimize that. But no one's showing up, nobody. I'm going to go there today. It'll be the same thing. I'll be there this afternoon about 4 o'clock. There won't be anybody voting, nobody. But uh, we like Inna Vernikov. And then we want uh, Ari Kagan to beat that uh, louse, Justin Brannon. But Inna has a friend, and her name is Anna something or other, and she's running, and she's endorsing Anna in that race. But nobody else likes Anna that I talked to, nobody. Are you keeping up, Lewis, with all these races? I the only I mean, I don't know if you want a funny answer or not, but no. I'm it's impossible, but I like to know in our area what's right. going on, of course. And then I listen when Frank is going through it, when right. Frank Morales going Curtis. through it. And Kurt yes. Oh yeah, definitely. I, I hear and then some of the things you're hearing are so insane. Incredible, like what's you know who's who's not running, who's going to win, and who's going to who's done this to the other. But uh, there's so many to keep keep track. I of. know. I just I'm not even sure about. It. I mean, I know that I know names. Like I know in I know in is in Brooklyn, right? My old neighborhood, and she's in Cheapside Bay and Brighton Beach and Gravesend. I love her, and she's involved in a very important. Yes, she's running against some Russian guy in the primary, who was involved with that Davidson Radio Group, and we'll talk to her. Kagan is an important one because Brennan has a lot of power in the city council. He handles all the money. He's like number two or three behind Adams, Agent Adams, not Eric Adams. That's an important one. And then, how about this this Yusef Salam? If that name rings a bell, it should. He's one of the five original scumbags. They call him the exonerated five, whatever they're called, those animals who they decided didn't rape that girl in Central Park. But at the very least, they were in the park committing all kinds of crimes. I don't care what stupid movie uh, Ava DuVernay makes. These kids were bad kids, including Youssef Salam. Bad kids. And I know for a fact some of them were involved in that in that rape. And somehow they got off. I don't know. Somehow they got off. Are you kidding me? In this city? And this guy's got the balls now to run for office because he was exonerated? And he's running against Inez Dickens, and she's a mess, too. Norm, are you following uh, all these cases? Are you into this whole city council thing? You don't care. You're in Jersey. You don't care. No, I follow it because I'm in the newsroom, yeah. Anybody that uh, tickles your fancy? Uh, you know, it's always kind of the same on both sides, right? You get Democrats. No, it's not the same on both sides. Democrats are sick people. No, no, I'm saying the party puts up as essentially oh, yeah, the yeah. same people every time. Yeah. So you're bored? Uh, well, a lot of them are uncontested races, so that's kind well, of that, you know, the, you, Well, you're right about that. The whole borough of Staten Island, nobody runs. Even DA, this guy McMahon, no one's running against him. No. And he's a Democrat. You're going to tell me, and I asked Mario Takasis, you can't find one decent Republican? And I know he's Vito Pacella's buddy. I don't care. I like Vito, but it's nonsense. You can't find one decent Republican on Staten Island to challenge McMahon? 
Bring back Dan Donovan. As if I know what I'm talking about. You hear me yelling and screaming like I'm Bill Ritter on Sunday morning. I have no idea what I'm talking about. You know, the whole process is kind of <laughs> you hear this yeah. It's crazy, right? I have a friend who's a councilwoman in uh, New Jersey, and, you know, she's doing it because she wants to help out her community. It's, she doesn't. She has no big aspirations to be anything but this councilwoman. But oh. what she has to sit through at a council meeting, the lunatics that show oh, up I know. to speak, yeah. you're like, if you're at that level... The crazy, it's, it's even crazy at the small time level. No, no, you know, it's no wonder nobody wants to run. Who wants that? Peter King just sent me a picture of him, some, uh, lady, cute, and a guy, and he said, I'm strongly supporting Anna Doofus. Can't be her name. Come on. No, Delphus. Delphus. Anna Doofus. What did you say about not knowing what you were talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Peter King loves Anna Doofus. Anna Doofus. Yeah. All right. She's involved in one of those strong uh, councilwoman <laughs> yeah. things. Now, you got to vote for Ari Kagan. You can't waste your time with Anna Doofus. I'm sure she's great. And Peter loves her. I respect Peter and Anna, but she's not going to win. So well, she's got we no gotta, shot now. we got to get Pratt out. <laughs> well, I got a name wrong. It's Delphus, I guess. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> All the Turovitz is Mr. NJ Diet. Too bad you're not marketing for yeah. that, uh, that, that campaign. My good buddy, uh, Dr. T from NJ Diet. We do a weekly sports wrap uh, now every Monday at this time because Audie actually is a great sports guy. He's enthusiastic. He knows what he's talking about. And to be honest, he wasn't making so much money with NJ Diet. I can see him on a sports station in Philadelphia, mind you, not New York. But I can see him on a on a sports station. Here he is, my man, Doctor T. Good morning, Arthur. How are you? Good morning. That's uh, quite a compliment. I like that. I could do New York. I could uh, gear up for the Yankees and the Mets and the Giants. No, you can't yes, I because could, I could do all that. No, because you root for the Philadelphia. You know what's funny? I worked with a guy named Jody McDonald for years, Artie, and he Jody lives. Mack. Yeah, right. I know Jody Mac. Great guy, but he lives in uh, Marlboro, New not Marlboro, in East Malton, New Jersey, something like that, Malton, New Jersey. He's right on the border of Philly. So he would work some days at IP in Philadelphia and spent a lot of years at WFAN. He'd cover the Eagles and the Giants and the Phillies and the Mets, and he was great at it. He was able to go to each city and act as if that's the only place he lived. But when your heart is in it for the Eagles and the Phillies, you'll be exposed yeah. in New York in 15 minutes. And he was also, Jody Mack was also fantastic for horses. He used to know the horses really well. People used to call up and he used to give them the, the picks, and uh, people loved him for that. See, you know your stuff. Up listening to him. The actual I name, do. I do. the name of the show was actually Mack at the Track. Very, very good. Nice job, buddy. So the, uh, the Wizards and the Suns are about to complete a major deal where Washington Wizards off-guard Bradley Beal is about to join. This is unbelievable. Booker, Aiden, Kevin Durant, and an already very, very talented Phoenix Sun basketball team, which is amazing. But you're telling me moments ago there's another trade that may go down, a rumored trade that involves the number one overall just a couple of years ago. Isn't that right? Uh, yeah. Uh, and that that uh, trade uh, with the Suns looks good, but maybe I, they, it has a little bit of a, uh, a net west uh, type of feel to it with uh, with the, the three guys over there sharing the basketball. But, yeah, the trading rumors out there are that uh, Zion, Williamson, uh, and the Sixers might do a trade uh, where Zion goes to Philly uh, with a few other guys and then Harden, P.J. Tucker, the guy who won the dunk contest, Max McClung, uh, and someone else, I think, also goes to uh, goes to the Pelicans. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, it gives them a tremendous upside, the Sixers, 
if that happens. But Zion's got a little bit of baggage now where, you know, it's almost like a little Ben Simmons. He's injured, not injured. He should be playing. He's not ready to play. Then there's the baby mama drama uh, Twitter war between the, 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 uh, his girlfriend uh, or fiance and the uh, porn star that they're going back and forth. So although there is a tremendous upside there, there's also a lot of drama. And, uh, you know, if, he doesn't, if his heart's not in it of uh, playing and uh, he's made a lot of money already and his heart's not in it, as a Sixers fan, I don't know how excited I am about that possible trade. All right, one more, uh, Dr. T. Arthur Turovitz here, the U.S. Open. Guy never won a major before. Here he's got Rory McIlroy breathing down his neck, and uh, Rory comes up one shot short, shoots a minus nine, while Clark goes out there, shoots a 10-under, wins the U.S. Open. The closest he ever finished was like 75th place. An amazing story in Los Angeles at the U.S. Open yesterday, yes? Yeah, uh, well, he did win a few weeks ago in uh, in the uh, Wells Fargo uh, at Quail Hollow, so he does have that one win. But yeah, I mean, the bigger story, I think, you know, there's a saying in golf, which is you drive for show and you putt for dough. And Rory, off the tee, is probably when he's on, is probably the best on the planet at at, uh, at driving uh, the golf ball. But uh, when the chips are down over the last number of years, he hasn't won anything in eight or nine years. And, uh, yeah. yeah, when the chips are down and he needed to make some putts and his short game short game really fa- uh, failed him, uh, and he comes up short again. But I think the biggest story is is Ricky Fowler for the weekend because, he, you know, he guy came – he started his career and he was labeled kind of the Anna Kornikova of golf where he had tons of endorsements, fan favorite, didn't really win anything, gets to the top ten in the world, wins the players, and then – drops down to obscurity uh, to 185th in the world. Last year, didn't even qualify, was an alternate, couldn't even get into the U.S. Open, shoots a 62 uh, on Thursday, yep, and, yep. and in the top of the leaderboard goes to Butch Harmon, who's the golf, uh, golf swing whisperer there, uh, rebuilds the swing, gets back on track, and I think that would be a, a yeah. fantastic, uh, fantastic story going forward if he can continue to play. Yep. Uh, as well as he as as well as he did over the weekend. So that's, folks, that's fantastic. People happy to see him. For folks that don't know, Butch Horman worked many many years with the great Tiger Woods. Uh, anyway, Doctor T, that's a terrific terrific job. Thank you to Arthur Turovitz from NJ Diet. For more information, go to NJ Diet NJDiet.com. Arthur, we'll do it again next Monday. Enjoy the weekend sports. Thank you so much. Thank you. Talk to you soon. See you, Artie. There he is, Dr. Bye. T. Take care. NJ Diet, NJDiet.com. All right. When we get back, we go back to the council races. Again, primary day, just eight days away. We go to Brooklyn, my old neighborhood. Sheepset Bay, Brighton Beach, Gravesend, all those fine spots. She's the councilwoman right now, but faces a big primary next Tuesday. And she's really become a, a politician, a, a rock star politician. Everybody loves her. In a Vernikoff. On Sid and Friends in the Morning is coming up next. Here's some more Frey. Seventy-seven. 
WABC. Boy, this is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. Crazy on you once again. Anna Wilson enjoying a birthday today. The great group Heart. I think we played three Heart songs today. All great. Going crazy on you, Louie, baby. But, we you know, we both started our days today by bringing uh, women in our lives into the city. You brought MJ to work today. Yeah, because of the ferry schedule. Right. And I brought <laughs> Ava into the city today. Gene actually drove Ava back to the apartment after he dropped me off, so... I was neither one of us were in the car alone this morning on the way to work. So what, what, but I, I Ava went went after me and she stayed in the car and Jean drove her home. So you didn't see her, but okay, we both came in together. So tomorrow I'll be alone. How about you? I'll be alone. Right. <laughs> well, today is uh, Juneteenth. It's a huge holiday. Oh, People, very, you know, it is. So you could see the parades. Yeah, uh, fan baby. dancing outside. They had yes. parades actually over the weekend. Eric Adams was there. I doubt Inna Vernikov was there, but who knows. She's the great councilwoman out of Brooklyn. I mean, great. in all the areas that I grew up with, all of them. Cheapset Bay, Brighton Beach, Gravesend. Oh, by the way, the premiere, red carpet premiere for Gravesend out on Long Island next week, Thursday, June 29th. And the rumor is that the next day, next Friday, June 30th, episode one, Amazon Prime season two, which I'm in, Gravesend is back. William DeMeo and Peter Gordio and Chris Marmondo and Chuck Zito, but all the new guys, me and Chaz Parmentieri and Vinnie Pistori, uh, Armand DeSante, Fran Drescher, um, unbelievable cast, Anthony from the Garage. So uh, I believe it all starts coming up next Friday. Talking about Anna Vernikoff, she is here eight days before her big primary. Good morning, Anna. How are you? Good morning. How's everyone doing this morning? The question is, how are you doing eight days before this very big contest for you? Well, my life coach likes to always say, it's a glorious and amazing day every day. So well, here you go. Well, that is just complete uh, nonsense. That's not true. <laughs> but I, I know that you're very confident and uh, Brooklyn loves you. Now, this guy that you're running against, this Russian guy, wasn't he in bed with that uh, crooked uh, Davidson radio group and all that? Oh, um, yeah. I mean, the guy is, uh, hes uh, I think he's 69 years old, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I never actually had any interaction with him. Um, I'm actually going to be on, on Russian radio. I demanded my equal time because he's been, the radio has been giving him uh, free airtime for, uh, 
for months before I put in a CFD complaint. Um, but yeah, I mean, this guy's on the radio talking only in Russian. I don't, I'm not sure if he speaks English. Um, he doesn't understand how government works. Well, let me stop you for a second. Are the majority of these voters Russian because, well, that sounds great. Russian guy talking to Russian people in Russia. I know there's a lot of Russians in Brighton Beach. He's got the Davidson Radio Group. You got me. I can't imagine the Davidson Radio Group in Brooklyn has nearly the amount of listeners I've got in uh, in Brooklyn here at WABC. So the radio war you won easily, not even close. Oh, my gosh. I mean, this guy, you know, this guy, you, the New York Times, uh, I'm not sure. It was, I think it was like 10 years ago, called him the king of Russian voters or something like that. Mm. Um, but I think, you know, last election, what happened was I think we kind of proved him irrelevant because even though he asked me to spend $30,000 on his ads, we didn't. And I think that's why he's running a candidate against me. This guy works at Davidson Radio, and he's already made close to $50,000 on just running ads for him. And so, I mean, he's he's really trying to get me out. I'm not somebody he can control. I'm not somebody he can make money on. So, you know, he's trying to put in this guy, like his own person. But the issue is, said that this is a Republican primary. So this is tricky because almost people don't come out and also a majority of my district is i'm sorry not a majority but about 30 percent of my district is orthodox jews and syrian jews and they're going away like now right so it's been i mean saturday we started early voting there were are you ready for this 22 people that voted listen i just made the point that i go to the gym every day the ymca in rockaway and downstairs, we've got voting, early voting, which, again, as I spoke about with Frank Morano this morning, should be three or four days before, not ten days before. In the two days, in a, the two days I was at the gym for about 60 to 90 minutes each day, how about this? I didn't see one person, not one, on Friday or Sunday voting for city council. Not one. No, but it's like Republicans are not used to Republican primaries, right? I mean, my election, my uh, my victory was a big deal for New York City. I flipped a Democrat seat that was Democrat for 100 years. I mean, people don't vote in general, but voting in a Republican primary is really just not something that people are used to doing, which is why this guy, you know, is running against me in a Republican primary as a Republican knowing that the, the turnout is going to be abysmal. Yeah, No, I know. It does get a little tricky in that respect, and and they're all in the way to deal. Like you said, all the religious Jews are not going to be around. in a Vernikoff running next Tuesday. But if they take a look at your record, okay, far as I know, Brighton Beach, Gravesend, Sheepset Bay, Manhattan Beach, all that whole area that is your district, Midwood section of Brooklyn, everything's going well. You know, they're building and and uh, the retail stores are doing well. I don't see half the amount of vacancy signs that I see here on the Upper West and our Upper East Side of Manhattan. Said the crime is down. So seemingly you've done a terrific job. So why not just go on your record? This guy's done nothing for the community. You've got a really good resume at this point. Oh, I mean, absolutely. And I think for the most part, people are pretty happy with my work. I have a great team. And we really we work a lot. We get a ton of complaints and requests. Um, and I think we do pretty well with them. I'm number one in Brooklyn and number two in New York City with constituent services. So, I mean, all of that is true. 
It's just that people need to actually come out to vote and they need to understand why it's important to actually vote in this primary. I mean, this is my election. The November election is not nearly as complicated. I mean, I think a brief through the November election. You'll you'll win the general against the Democrat easily, but this this becomes uh, the tougher one. I I hear you. And a lot of these races, uh, that's kind of the case, right? I mean, you know, you look even at uh, the other race that you're involved in, uh, that uh, that includes your friend Anna. I was just talking about Anna moments ago. Now, I'm endorsing Ari Kagan because I need to beat Justin Brannon, and uh, your friend Anna can't beat him, and uh, Ari can. So that's why I'm endorsing Ari. I don't know either one of them. I met Ari once uh, at Gracie uh, I Mansion. Mean, I have to disagree with oh, you. Well, I know you're going to disagree. Out of the two of them, <laughs> out of the two of them, I think Anna is a better shot. But why? Why? Um, why? I know she's your friend. I've been a Republican her entire life. She's had Republican ideas. Uh, well, let me stop. Let me stop. Let me stop you right now. Let me stop you right now. I don't care about that. Like my cousin Norm Coleman, he was a Democrat most of his life. He became a Republican. He became a senator from the great state of Minnesota. Became basically Bush forty three's right hand man. I don't care. I mean, look, Donald Trump spent sixty six years as a as a Democrat before he became a presidential uh, Republican. I don't care if you switch parties as long as you can win. You got the right ideas. No, I mean, I switched parties, but that's because I was a registered Democrat on paper. There are a lot of Democrats. There are a lot of people in my district, for example, registered as Democrats just because that's what they were told. And because they believe it's easier for them to be able to pick a better Democrat and they could have a shot. You know, they could have a say in voting in the Democrat primaries. So I get that. But Anna's actually been a real Republican who's had our ideals. You you know, we can't choose people who just decided to switch to Republican overnight. Um, you know, I think that the Republican Party needs to take a closer look at that, too. Um, but I think she's just a better candidate altogether. She's well articulate. She's uh, she's a mother. She know, understands the education system. She used to be a teacher. Um, and I think they should have a debate. I'm not sure. You know, I'm not as closely involved in the race. Yeah. Because I've been focusing on my own race. Sure. But I think if people were to watch a debate, I think they would uh, make the right choice. Maybe I'll do the debate right here. I'll uh, get in touch with Ari, and you get me right. Anna's number, and I'll put them both on before next week. It'll be great. I'll moderate the debate. Nobody better. And it'll be Anna versus uh, Ari right here. So one more. You know, last week, uh, Dove Hyken called me, and he was furious about this CUNY thing, you know, and this animal, uh, Muhammad, Fatima Muhammad, who made that speech at CUNY, and and the hateful speech, he hates the cops, she hates the military, she hates Israel, hates the Jews. Nothing happens, nothing happens. So Dove comes on and we go, we got to raise some hell. So sure enough, last week, Dove and uh, Joey Borgen and a friend of mine named Abraham Hammer, they go out there, they, they, they start this, um, this rally, and they got a ton of people. Now, two questions. A, were you there because you are really, really outspoken when it comes to anti-Semitism and attacks on the Jews? I love that about you. Were you there? And if not, what did you think of last week's rally? So I wasn't there only because I wasn't able to make it. It's a really, really busy time for me. But I definitely uh, expressed my support and, and I stood in solidarity with them. I think that the dean of that law school needs to be fired. And, you know, uh, Sid, I've been big on the situation at CUNY, especially when it comes to anti-Semitism. But specifically, the CUNY School of Law is just an awful, awful place. Um, I'm not sure if you saw, but when the mayor went to speak there, and the mayor is not, not a Republican, he's a Democrat. And when he went to speak there, they turned their backs on yeah, him. Yeah. 
Um, they are radicals, and this problem didn't happen overnight. Uh, the situation at the City University of New York has been going on since 2015 uh, with anti-Semitism, with radical ideology, anti-American, anti-capitalism, anti-police. I mean, she called the speaker, this commencement speaker, called NYPD fascist. So it's not just about anti-Semitism. They've, you know, they festered this environment. And I know that there was a Jewish student, one Jewish student with a yarmulke sitting in the audience. And I mean, you could just imagine how he felt. And there's nobody there to stand up for someone like him. And, uh, you know, this is the woman, this is the, the student that they put in a pedestal. This is who they reward. And this is the speech that they allegedly approved. Um, so it's a it's a terrible, hostile environment. I brought this up to Mayor Eric Adams last week. We were um, at dinner. He had a couple of uh, Jewish elected officials in Gracie Mansion, and this is this was my main issue to discuss with him. And hopefully, he's gonna start yeah. taking some action about this. Yeah, too. he needs to because I was at uh, Gracie Mansion, my beautiful wife Danielle, a couple of weeks ago, the end of Jewish Heritage Month. Uh, a couple hundred people there. The, the mayor spoke, and he, it was a great speech. I mean, he sounded like he really cares. He was really pissed, but nothing happened. So, yes, um, but we need, and which is which is what I mentioned to the mayor too. Uh, we need action. It, right. You know, statements is nice. Um, making speeches is nice, but we need action. So the mayor has agreed to meet with the board of trustees along with the Jewish caucus. I hope. It happens. I hope it happens soon. Yeah. Um, and I just really, there needs to be bold action. It, it, speeches and statements, that's not enough. Agreed. they got to fire the uh, Suda Seti. She is the dean of the law school, Suda Seti. She should be fired. And uh, hopefully no law firm ever hires Fatima Mohammed. because as far as I'm concerned for this country and for the Jews, she's public enemy number one. Now, quickly, about 30 seconds to go for folks who do want to early vote, go vote for you and uh, give me some places in your district in Brooklyn where they can do that. Uh, sure. So my district has about five early voting sites. They can go to vote.nyc to find their early voting site. Um, and it's pretty much open nine to five. I think there's a day that it's open eight, uh, eight to five or 10 to five, but they could, they could look it up at vote.nyc. And I mean, it takes five minutes. There are no lines right now. It's very slow. Like I said, Saturday had 22 people voting in the entire district. So it'll take you five minutes of your time, but it's incredibly important. You know what I always say? If you don't vote, you can't complain. That's so true. you got to yeah. vote. Give me quickly also now, again, I know you've got um, Brighton Beach, Gravesend, Manhattan Beach, Sheepshead Bay. Where else? Yeah, so it's Brighton Beach, Manhattan Beach, Sheepshead Bay, Gravesend, and uh, Luna Park, and parts of Midwood. So it used to go all the way to Avenue M, actually Avenue L in some parts, but now it's, it's the cutoff is on Avenue yeah. N. Luna Park, did you dress as a mermaid yesterday? I did not. <laughs> I wouldn't think you would. <laughs> hey, uh, great job today, and good luck. We'll talk uh, next week when you win, and then we'll get you ready for the big election coming up in November, okay? Thank you so much, Sid. Thanks for having me on. Always great to have you. In a Vernikoff, go out there today. My Brooklyn people, do the right thing. Sheepshead Bay, Midwood, all those sections, and vote for Inna Vernikov for city council. Boy, now it's time for Sid's Take. Sid's Take! Sid's Take, yeah! 
Good luck. It's Sid's Take. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. Monday morning, a new week, and how excited we are to be here. Calm down. <sighs> John is out in Nassau County. He's going to be our contestant today. Movie Monday. What's up, John? Hey, what's going on? How are you? Quickly, i got to um, plug uh, Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. The game is sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. you got to go to PeerlessBoilers.com, uh, PavilionTankless.com, John, to find a deal in you. They're America's best-built boilers. Or not America. They're the world's best-built boilers. The right. world is way bigger than just America. Milky Way. And now it's the whole world. John, Movie Monday, I give you five movie trivia questions. you got to give me the right answer. All right? Okay. All right, here we go. we got to blow through this. Here we go. Number one, what is Bill Murray's character's name in Ghostbusters? Oh, boy. Um, no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Peter Bankman. Legendary movie. Legendary character. On to number two here. John Singleton was the first black director nominated for an Oscar with what film set in South Central L.A. where he grew up? Uh, Boys in the Hood. Very good. One for two. On to number three, James Dean starred in only three films. Name one of them. James Dean. Um, I, I was in On the Waterfront. Hmm. Three options there. Rebel Without a Cause, Giant, and East of Eden. Before he croaked. On to number four. Who's the actor who put on his best southern drawl as Detective Benoit Blanc in Knives Out and Glass Onion? <laughs> no idea. Really? Interesting. Daniel Craig would be the correct answer there. Daniel Craig. All right. How about on to number five? You are one for four, John. On to number five. Attempt to go two for five here. Frankie Elaine sang the title tune of what Mel Brooks Western? Uh, Blazing Saddle. There you go. Two for five. That's a good effort, John, especially on a Monday morning. Not bad. How was your uh, Father's Day, John? You got any kids? Great. Two kids. Two girls. Oh, how wonderful. What did you guys do? Just hung around? Yeah, I did a lot of drinking. A lot of drinking. That's one way to get it. That's one way to get around it. Um, yeah, you have both of your daughters in town. How old are they, if you don't mind me asking? No, 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 no. One's was away uh, 25 and 23. Oh, there you go. Okay, so they're all grown up. That's nice. That's nice of them to come out okay. and see their dad. Easy. Yep. Easy, easy. Here, uh, John's going to hang out and hold the big guys back in the room. All right, you got it. All right. How'd he do? He went two for five. All right. All right. On to number one here, Movie Monday. What is Bill Murray's character's name in Ghostbusters? Oh, come on. I... Um, one of the what do you mean? Oh, come on. No, no. <laughs> I remember Pete, that's it. I don't know, I don't know his... Is it Pete? I well, remember that's his, his first name. name. I don't know his last name. Well, that's kind of like, yeah, he's, that's, he's Doctor Who. Like, you know, Pete Murray. No. Oh. Dr. Peter Bankman. Oh, that's true. Bank, Bankman. That's on right. to number yeah. two. Or for one. I mean, uh, who's not uh, talking about Ghostbusters? He's about being irrelevant. That's right on the tip of my tongue. What? Hello? <laughs> so be good. Is that the anniversary of like the whole, when the whole cast died? No. this is. We were supposed to play this game last Monday. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah last Monday was really relevant. <laughs> when it was yeah. not relevant then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you kidding? Uh, number two. John Singleton was the first black director nominated for an Oscar with what film set in South Central L.A.? Oh, where he Boys grew in the Hood. Very good. One for two. I love that movie. On to number three, James Dean started only three films. Name one of them. Boulevard of Broken Dreams. No. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that even a... 
What? <laughs> is he just singing like no, song a lyrics for that? <laughs> what? Rebel without a cause, giant and east of Eden were the three. Uh, oh, rebel films. without a cause. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Who's like the actor title. who? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who's the actor who put on his best southern drawl as Detective Benoit Blanc in Knives Out and Glass Onion? You have to repeat that whole question. I don't. I don't even understand what you said. Who plays James Bond? Who 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 played James Bond? Who plays James Bond in which movie? The most recent one. The most recent one was uh, Daniel Craig. There you go. Oh, <laughs> there's more than one way to get to I can name all of them. I think I, I, uh, no, we don't need that. We Sean Connery, Roger Moore. Part of the game. Yeah. yeah. Extra credit. Number Three. five. Frankie <laughs> Lane sang the title tune of what Mel Brooks Western? Blazing Suns. Very good, Sidney. Hey. You're a winner today. Congrats. I love Mel Brooks. Mm. Talk him out of it. The great history of the world. <laughs> you look like the piss boy. Yes. Don't get saucy with me, Bernays. Played by the brilliant Harvey Corman from the Carol Burnett Show. All right. That's nice. right. Take nicely, that nicely done. Nicely written and nicely hosted by my guy, Justin Ellick. We're going to come back and close shop on a Monday right after this. It's Sid's Take. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC.